morning. So we've lost Bill Pertwee. Oh, he was such a nice man as well. He was a nice man. Every liked Bill Pertwee. He was one of our favourite characters. Uh, luckily, we've still there's still a, a few people left from Dad's Army. Pamela Cundell being one of them. The lovely Pamela Cundell, uh, who was just so. So raucous in her role. <laughs> I've loved Pamela Cundell. But uh, she's very much still still with us. Anyway, nice to have you company. Well, that was it. That was your bank holiday. And in fact, the reason I say that was it, that was your bank holiday, is because the weather's gone on the turn. So we had three days of beautiful sunshine, three days of getting out there and burning yourself to pieces, which I've managed to do quite successfully. And uh, now you've got rain. In fact, it's raining now. It's going to rain all this week. Isn't that the kind of thing that you don't want to hear on a Tuesday? Although, to be honest with you, if you're going back to work, there's nothing worse than standing on a crowded train with a lot of people who are sweating. It's not an attractive prospect, is it? You stand there, there's no room to move, you can't swing a marble in front of your face, and, you know, there's everybody, people with their bicycles. Oh, God, honestly. Even though it says on some trains, no bicycles. This is a commuter train. This is a commuter train for commuters. Because they don't pay to put their bikes on, they just shove the bloody things on. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't have a problem with, with cyclists per se, but I thought the whole idea of you've got a cycle, cycle. Don't get on the train. That's for people who don't have a cycle. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Back in court again. Yes, this is uh, Sophie Pearl Dalzell. She's an ugly old, uh, an ugly old person. And she's been in court before she was uh, electronically tagged. But uh, she was excused having to wear it, you remember, because she said it would uh, put her out of work. But anyway, now she's been... She's back in court again, found guilty of assaulting two police officers. She's an old drunk. She's a sad, pathetic example of what's wrong with this country. She lives in Manchester, wearing a bright pink hooded tracksuit. I mean, she's way too old. She's 19, but she looks about 70. She says she was provoked by people jealous of her lifestyle. I can't imagine who, who... on earth would be the sort of people who would who would hang around with her are not people jealous of her lifestyle they're living exactly the same thing i don't know anybody you know like my generation or the sort of people i know who would ever provoke somebody like her because of her lifestyle couldn't care less couldn't care less she says basically they're actually jealous and i've done so in my life yep you've uh, you've just appeared in court for the umpteenth time there's nothing clever about her she's as i say a pathetic stupid little person and deserves to be laughed at and pointed at and everything else. Uh, anyway, the reason she was tagged first time around is because she slapped the driver of a BMW and kicked his car. She says, uh, and a tag on my ankle uh, wouldn't look very good. I don't understand why these courts... There's somebody else in the court today. I forget who is. It's a councillor, a town councillor or something. And he's fiddled his benefits to the tune of 45 grand or something like that. Whatever it is, he's, he said he forgot to tell them. Uh, about change of circumstances. Yeah, you're bent. We know what you are. And so what he does is they, they, they sentenced him to, I think, a year in prison, suspended. What, what, what deterrent is there for all these people who thieve off the country? It's terrible. You're not allowed trains on the Russia. Well, you, you're not allowed bikes on the trains in the Russia. You can. There are certain trains which allow bikes on, whether they're folders or not, because most cyclists can't afford the folding bikes. That's only for rich people. £800 Brompton bikes. The rest of them are these naff little things. And of course, they've all got the go-faster stripes, haven't they? They're there with their little bits of lycra on and their silly little crash helmets. And you look at them and you think, well, you know, you've got to cycle. Cycle! Silly little crash helmets. Put it this way, in the event of an accident, uh, that crash helmet is going to do absolutely nothing. You know, a ten-ton truck or a bus going over you, a little crash helmet on your head, that's not going to make any difference. doesn't make any difference to people on motorcycles. Why that little thing that looks like something out of Buzz Lightyear would ever do anything on your head 
if you're actually out there in the morning, is, is totally beyond me. I see them all the time. And some, some of them have got little flashing lights on the back. Some of them, of course, can't be bothered with lights, and they're the ones who get knocked down. But I'm in pain, they are, bicycles. They really are, actually. I don't know why. There was calls the other day, weren't there, to have people licensed. You know, my day, you took a cycling proficiency test. I think they should have carry insurance. Why should they be allowed on the roads? They haven't paid to be there. Charge them. They seem to have enough money to afford £800, £1,300, £2,000 on a bicycle. So the uh, the papers this morning are talking about the outrageous bomber command, the war memorial is vandalised. Somebody wrote Islam on it. And so, as Duncan said, there's this bloke up there who's sort of not going to leave until it's been removed. I find it absolutely disgraceful that anybody would do this. Absolutely disgraceful. But, of course, we don't do anything, do we? Which is, oh, it's disgraceful. And yet, had it been the other way around, had it been a mosque... You know, people up in arms, oh, this is anti-Islam, this is everything else. And the Brits are, oh, well, yeah, someone's just written Islam on, on Bomber Command. I don't know who it, who it would be, who would be this stupid. I don't quite understand the mentality of some people, even though it goes on every day. And it's not actually vandalised, it's just, it'll be spray-painted off, they'll, they'll spray it off with chemicals. And in fact, it'll probably be gone by the time this programme finishes this morning, because that's what they're doing. If they haven't done it, well, then they're buffoons. If they haven't sorted that out, all they've got to do is get out there and spray this off. There was enough time for people to get up there. It's been covered up in, uh, in one of the things. But they need to sort it out quickly. We don't want people coming to this country and seeing that kind of thing. Second day running, we've managed to drag out the story. Some boxer nobody's ever heard of. I've heard of Lennox Lewis, and I've heard of Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, and I've heard of Barry McGuigan. I've never heard of this bloke. And, so the, and, the, and the story is that the end of a three-month sex ban, apparently the girlfriend, they're not married, of course, they have children, but in keeping with modern-day families, no point in getting married. She's glamour model, you know, so that's nice, isn't it? So that's a talent, and uh, something that we all applaud in this day and age, because if you can't actually do anything with your life, be glamour model, which is nice. I see the old uh, Burko's nanny... Is in the paper. Do you know, I was the only one right. I was standing in the office the other week uh, before Sally Burko's, we, and we were talking about it, and I said, she'll be found guilty. And they were all going, no, she won't. No, she won't. James O'Brien said, no, she won't. I said, she will. I'm telling you, she'll be found guilty. I said, for the reason is, she knew exactly what she was doing. That was the whole, that was the whole thing. It wasn't just a little bit of fun, a little bit of chiding. She was making allegations and pointing people in the direction of it. She knew exactly what she was doing. Her husband is the speaker, let's face it. And uh, they all go, no, she won't, won't be found guilty. So the moment she was found guilty, I went, see, told you I was right. But anyway, it now turns out that the kid's nanny live in a... She lives in her own taxpayer-funded flat in the House of Parliament. Now, this goes totally against what, um, what old Burko told us before, that the nanny lives with the family in the official residence. Turns out she doesn't. She doesn't at all. So... It's um, somebody here. The revelation seems to contradict Sally's 2010 claims. But there again, she can't remember last Thursday, can she? She's very remiss in the remembering department. That the nanny lived with a family in the Speaker's official residence. The mum of three tweeted then, Does John Boko's nanny live rent-free at his Grace and Favour house? Yes, it's not secret. However, Commons officials confirmed yesterday that the nanny lives in her own one-bedroom flat. Well, that's a blatant lie. So, in other words... Oh, no, well, I mean, I'm assuming the Commons official is telling the truth. She lives in a one-bedroom flat, but the Burkos say she lives with them. Perhaps they don't know. Perhaps they really don't know. Perhaps the, the Speaker's apartment is... He's very good at spending money, old Burko. He's very good at spending the taxpayers' money. But um, the Taxpayers' Alliance chief, Matthew Sinclair, said ordinary families would be astonished. Well, if you've got a nanny, they generally live in, don't they? A friend of mine's got a nanny. She lives in. Not the old Burkos. Mind you, you can never tell when she's got the, uh, got the old cameras round and she's got old Paddy Doherty round and half his traveller family. 
you know, perhaps in for a photo shoot or something like that. But apparently, the common spokesman said for years the House has provided accommodation for previous Speaker's personal staff. He earns 142 grand a year, and she can't live with them. Perhaps they're pequ- perhaps they walk around with no clothes on. Perhaps there's something quite odd about the Burke. Well, we know there's something odd about her. Perhaps there's something odd about him as well. Seemed quite normal when I used to interview him. John used to come into the studio on a regular basis, almost like three times a month. He would he would come in the studio for our round table. Elton John's in the paper as well, and uh, he lost the other day. He suffered the agony of watching his beloved Watford fail to reach the Premier League. Uh, Elton is uh, 68 now, 68 years old, and he went there with his boyfriend, that's uh, Dave, and his son Zachary. It was, I don't think he calls him Dave, but I'm calling him Dave. I think, I think the idea of, you know, it's Elt and Dave, I think that's quite nice. Perhaps they've got one of those Liberace things, you know, and, uh, and, and the kid called Zach. Zach. Because that's a butch name, is it? Zachary. He's a lovely-looking little boy. He is lovely. But luckily, he's obviously not been in prison because his face isn't pixelated in the papers. So that's quite good. Whereas, in fact, you do see a lot of other children whose faces are pixelated and it means that they've been in prison. That's, that's, the, that's the giveaway now, that all these children are, in fact, guests of Her Majesty. That's what they do. That's why their faces are pixelated. Why would their faces be pixelated if they, didn't, you know, if they hadn't been in prison? Protection their privacy. What a of old crap, honestly. At two years old, protection of their privacy. Listen, Zach could walk through Leicester Square this morning with the someone... Nobody would know who he was. I wouldn't go, <gasps> it's Zachary, it's Zachary. It doesn't work like that at all. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, Jude Law's kids were pixelated, weren't they? Because they got an ice cream. Mind you, there is a sad picture in the paper today, and I don't, I don't wish to be rude or mean about it, but I'm going to, I'm afraid. It's, it's, kind of, it's what it is. It's a picture of a girl in the paper, OK? Now... It doesn't look like a particularly attractive girl, Okay, It's, for all intents and purposes, uh, she's wearing a dress, she's got badly bleached hair, and she's wearing a a very cheap, lurexy kind of outfit, Okay, And um, she's Pammy. She's a beauty queen finalist. And she's having the last laugh, because, wait, here we go again. She was bullied. Okay, she was bullied. Now, lots of people get bullied. We explained the other day that I would think every single person was bullied at some point at school, either by a teacher or by other kids who could be very cruel. Anyway, uh, the reason that Pammy's in the paper today, Pammy is a beauty queen finalist. She was born a boy. Now, generally speaking, and to be honest with you, I thought we were so over this by now. You know, people who are, who are trannies or who are post-op transsexuals, and I've known loads in my time, I've interviewed loads in my time. They generally can't wait to tell people. Remember the one on Big Brother? Couldn't wait to tell people that she was born a woman, but now she's a man. And I thought, yeah, well, you look like a woman who's now dressing as a man. This particular one is a beauty queen finalist. She's not pretty enough to be a beauty queen finalist. There is a look, and this look is not pale and washed out. Having lots and lots of hair doesn't necessarily make you a beauty queen finalist. You know, it's a bit naff and dated in this country. She didn't win, quite clearly, but now she's sold her story on, you know, I was born a boy and now I'm beating the bullies. I shouldn't imagine the bullies give a forex. Most bullies only bully while you're at school. The moment you've left school, they don't care. So I don't see it as being the last laugh. I see it as just, you know, you just get on with yourself. We're in the year 2013. People know what trannies are now. We've got one in Twickenham. God knows it's unattractive. I mean, it really is. It's a bloke, an old bloke, dressing as a woman, but wearing the most ludicrous clothes you've ever seen in your entire life. In fact, people do point and they do laugh. So perhaps maybe a little makeover might help. 
LBC 97.3.uk. Help for Heroes and LBC 97.3. Proud to support our troops. And coming up today with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven as anger increases. That David Cameron has taken his family on holiday in Ibiza while London's still reeling from the shocking events in Woolwich. Nick will be asking, is it reasonable that Mr Cameron should be allowed to take a vacation? Plus, a special announcement from Nick on the uh, 97.3 charity appeal, which is help for heroes, as you know. If you go to the LBC website, you can find all the details and all the fantastic auction prizes. I mean, really, my goodness, mine pales into insignificance. When I look at some of the holidays that are on offer and there's a watch and, and the fact that you can go up in a helicopter with James Max, I mean, that in itself is, is worth the price of admission. And there's all sorts of other things on there. There's, you know, some things which don't cost very much money. The thing that doesn't cost very much money but can make a difference is, of course, the donating £5. Only £5. It's not a lot, is it? It's not even a packet of cigarettes in this day and age. But if you text the letters HERO, H-E-R-O, and send it to 70766, that donates £5 to help make a difference. The text costs £5 plus a standard network rate. Terms and conditions are on lbc.co.uk. That's all you have to do. HERO, and then send it to 70766, and that donates £5, which is, as I say, not even the price of a, a bottle of vodka, not even the price of, gosh, I mean, there's nothing you can get for a fiver now, is there really? Just about gets you two journeys on a bus, if you're very, very lucky. 84850, steve at uk. I was going to give you the weather, there's no point in depressing you this morning. I really don't want to depress you, because you've only got to look out the window to realise it's raining, and it's going to rain all this week. In fact, no, I will tell you now. I'm sorry, to, it's, because it's bank holiday Monday. It might get you out of bed a little bit quicker. Uh, outbreaks of rain across London. Some showers will be heavy. Much cooler day. 11 degrees at the moment. It'll rise to 13. And tonight, cloudy. Outbreaks of rain, especially in the north and west. Uh, tomorrow, mostly cloudy with outbreaks of rain across London. Locally heavy at first. Thursday, rain, possibly showery, lingering for much of the day. And Friday and Saturday, should be OK. Drier, brighter conditions moving in. So, good for Friday, Saturday, but the rest of the week, absolute rubbish, I'm afraid. Terrible, isn't it? Uh, 84850. Uh, Bill says, we lost a lovely man yesterday. I refer, of course, to Bill Pertwee, Warden Hodges. Put that light out of Dad's Army fame. He was 86. His death means that Ian Lavender, who was Pike. What is your name? Don't tell him, Pike. And Frank Williams, the Reverend Timothy Farthing, the only surviving members of the original cast. Pamela Cundell, as I said, very much uh, with us as well. And um, at 86, you know, famous for his catchphrase, put that light out, Bill Pertwee was one of the nice people in the business. He really was. Um, we, we keep saying it quite a lot recently, but he really was a nice person. He was always very useful. He'd only been at a, a convention a short while ago with Pamela Cundell. They'd gone off to do a, one of these signings, which, you know, because this, this goes back to 1977. He was actually in it from the start in 68 to its 80th and final episode in 77. He also featured in the Dad's Army film. He leaves just two surviving members, as we said, Frank Williams, who's 81, and Ian Lavender, who was Private Pike, who was sort of the... He was, he was the simpleton. He was the simpleton. Mr Williams said last night, Bill was the exact opposite of Hodges... He was a great person to be with, and he had a great sense of humour. Born into a very large theatrical family, I remember, because uh, former Doctor Who John Pertwee was a cousin. Bill first appeared on radio in shows like Beyond Our Ken, Round the Horn. He starred in three carry-on films, and also the telesitcom sitcom Yerang, My Lord. He even featured 
on the England 2010 Football World Cup song. He got the MB in 2007. He was a regular on LBC in the early days. He'd always be relied on. If he was in the area, he'd pop in for a chat. And if not, you could always get him at the end of the telephone as he was sort of proudly telling us about all the people that he'd uh, ever worked with. He, uh, he leaves a son, actually, Jonathan, who said last night he was very loved by everybody that knew him and always happy to help people out. He was one of those sort of people. He was just one of those sort of people. He was, he was nice. He was a nice person. He came from a different generation. Always immaculate. Always immaculate. I never saw him in anything but a really smart suit. You know, even even in advanced years, people still look smart nowadays. Make some of these badly dressed people that you see in the uh, in the papers. You think to yourself, God, you've got a lot to learn, haven't you? A lot to learn. So uh, we send commiserations to the family. But uh, he's gone to a better place, as they say. 86, Bill Pertwee. You enjoy your uh, your rest, matey. You've blooming well earned it. Here's Kim Smith in the paper today. Kim Smith is a former councillor, crowned Citizen of the Year. This is the one who conned the taxpayers out of 46 grand. Uh, he, he made a tremendous contribution to Lou in Cornwall. But he made bogus claims for incapacity benefit, income support and council tax relief while on a pension from his ex-employer, the Department of Works and Pensions. He admitted dishonestly failing to notify a change of circumstances and got a 45-week suspended jail term at Plymouth Crown Court. Why don't we jail him? He's thieved 46,000 quid from people who need it. God knows there's enough people who need the money out there and there's loads of people like him. You know, loads of people like Kim Smith, 56... He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. There's a terrible story in the paper today about some lovely churchgoers. Lovely churchgoers. And they've all of a sudden started getting tickets outside their church. Many are disabled. They've got stickers. And they've started getting tickets because the council have changed the um, the operating of the of the, the red lines that they put out. And they, the headline in one of the papers, oh, for heaven's sake. These disabled pensioners parked outside their church. They prayed on Sunday, but the traffic wardens came in. And it's, you know, they've got a picture of a, a pensioners going, what are you doing? They're going, well, we're, we're, we're ticketing you. Because they're not the brightest pennies in the box traffic. Well, they just do what they're told to do. They don't have any, you know, they, they couldn't care less, really. They're not remotely interested. And they do point out they've got blue badges. They can park anywhere they blooming well like. And so, I mean, one of them is a, a former councillor. She said, I told the first warden the church had special dispensation when I came out. There was a ticket on the car. It was so unfair and mean. Have you noticed the British pensioner way? It's very mean. You know, anybody else be out in arms. They picked on me because of this, because I'm tall, short, fat, thin, black, blue, pink, grey with white spots. But all, all this lady says is, it's very mean. Very mean. That's the British way of doing it, isn't it? It's very mean. I'd have broken his legs. I'd have ran over him. Parish priest said the local highways department told him five years ago that worshippers could park on the pavement as long as there was still room for pedestrians. That's the argument. He believes wardens targeted the area after the council extended the Wolverhampton Road red route to include the stretch past the church three weeks ago, turning it into a clearway. He said, we had no consultations on the church. Well, they're dim, aren't they, local councils? And all you get from the council is Councillor Maria Crompton of Sandwell Council. You can imagine what she's like, can't you? A right little do-gooder. She says here, regulations do state that where red lights have been painted on the road, the traffic regulations include the footpath. There is an appeals process which allows drivers to state their case and each one will be considered on its own merit. Hopefully this will resolve the problem. I hope somebody drives through your front sitting room, lady. I can't believe what a mean-spirited woman you are. What a horrible person. These people are going to church. 
They're praying for people like you to try and find some sort of compassion. But all they do is, well, I'm sorry, as I am a councillor, this is exactly what the situation is. We've got the red route here, and we don't care if they're pensioners or they're on crutches they are getting a ticket. It's as simple as that. We've told our wardens to issue them. Of course, there is an appeals process. What a patronising old bag you are, dear. What a horrible person. Honestly, you'd think there could be something nicer out there in this day and age. You know, all these horrid stories, and then you get a miserable old councillor. You know, why can't we have a nice councillor and make it sort of a bit more, bit more interesting for us? But no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't have nice councillors anymore. And I'm sure there must be some. I'm sure there must be some somewhere. It's just that she's not one of them. You know, there is an appeals, but these are people are pensioners, dear. They're pretty want to sit down and start writing letters and appeals and everything else. All they've done is been ticketing outside the church. They want to go to church. You know, it's not a lot to ask, is it? God, if there is an almighty, you hope he's sort of... Uh, He's up there looking down on this councillor. Dreadful. Um, somebody says, don't start on a cyclist. Don't you push me, matey, I tell you. I have people like you for breakfast. Cyclists on the pavement. Cyclists who jump traffic lights. I shouted an obscenity at one the other day. I said, oh, bother. Look, you've jumped a red light. You must be colour blind. They have no intention of stopping whatsoever. But I'm delighted to say that the police... The police do pick them up. And in the course of one day, more than 200 cyclists were fined down here. Fant- I just made the number up, 200 up, because they were stop. I mean, I stood there by the bus stop, and I saw six people done. And I thought, well, if they sit there all day, they're going to get them all. And you know why they did them? Jumping red lights. Because they're either colourblind or stupid, these people. They seem to think that the road doesn't apply to them. They really do think the road doesn't, you know, any of the rules on there. They think that that the the, the red light is just there for somebody else. It's not there for for them at all. Your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. We're coming to get you. Coming to get you. Took your advice, says Joyce, yesterday, and did uh, to Greenwich. Lovely boat trip. Very nice day. Hope you had a nice day. Yes. Mary says, went to New Haven. Had a lovely day. Paying for it now. The sun has kissed my skin. Yes, me too. Me too as well. And then I scraped my head on a door frame this morning. Not particularly clever, but there you go. I now look a bit like Mikhail Gorbachev. And that's the best uh, best description you're ever going to get. It was a lovely day yesterday. I mean, it really was glorious weather over this weekend. Went to Hampton Court. I went to the uh, food festival, which was good. Parked the car. £4. That was all right. I was quite happy, you know, on, you know, £4. Parked on the, on a field. Everybody very cheerful. Uh, we had free tickets for getting in. Well, it's not a field, it's Hampton Court, it's class. It's not like coming from Newark or something like that, or sort of, you know, anywhere in Berkshire or something like that, or um, or Ballum or something like You know, this is this is Hampton Court grass. Henry VIII himself has walked across this stuff. Let me tell you, it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And so we, so we took the car over there, we went in, and it was lovely, it was really good, but by God, it was hot. Loads and loads of food stalls, too many people admitted in, way too many people, there's nowhere to sit down. Although we did manage to find a few little places. People were all right, a bit chavvy and, you know, a lot of people with tattoos. which kind of lowers the tone. But then Hampton has got a few chavs in the area. It's got a few people with tattoos. How they got in, I'll never know. Perhaps they crawled in under the fence. Uh, we didn't buy anything at all. No, it was far too expensive. No, way too expensive in there. 15 quid to get in if you wanted to pay to go in. But we had free tickets. And then they had things like, you know, Thai, a Thai platter for a fiver, which had a few things on it, and uh, real burgers. But it, it was quite good. Lots of little sort of companies. Load, I mean, it was all food. It was called food, wasn't it? Food festival, so kind of makes up for it. It was good. The little band there, we had champagne. Two glasses of champagne, 16 quid. Seems quite a lot, doesn't it, for sitting on a piece of grass. You know, for that, I expect somebody to sort of practically get down on their knees in front of me and clean the shoes. But uh, we didn't get any of that, so we we had the two. But I didn't mind, because it was a nice day. And then we managed to find enough time to go around Hampton Court Palace, 
So all in all, it was it was actually really nice. I'm very knowledgeable. I should be. I'm coming up to 40 if I haven't learned anything in my years on this planet. I mean, goodness sake, really. Um, what else was in the paper today? There's, um, oh, yes, I was talking about Little Chefs the other day. And now it turns out they are going to close them down, which is a shame. Because I used to like those butt those butt-gusting, those gut-busting breakfasts. 5.30. 4.30. Steve Allen. Morning. Tuesday morning. You've had your bank holiday. Now you've got the bad weather. You've got to get back to work. I mourn the demise of Little Chef. I used to love the Little Chef breakfast, although, to be honest with you, anyone who eats sautéed potatoes first thing in the morning must be really on some mission of quick death. Uh, but double eggs and mushrooms and bacon and hash browns and toast. And for an extra £1 something, you can get a slice of black pudding as well. Not my idea of fun. The only thing the little chef was actually famous for was when they uh, they changed the sign of the little chef. He used to be a little fat man, and so they decided to change him to a little thin man. And 15,000 people complained about it. So they put him back to being fat again. So that was what... Uh, that was what really changed it, I suppose. No, they don't do funny-shaped sausages. No. They just sort of put a sausage on a plate. I've got no idea. Wimpy, I suppose. That wasn't a sausage anyway. That was a frankfurter. Not a sausage. Um, but the, uh, the gut-busting breakfast, they call it their Little Chef Olympic breakfast. Well, I mean, it's, it's still not as big as I've seen in some transport cafes. Well, it's, no, it's about seven quid, but it's, it's the size of it. It doesn't look that big. A piece of black pudding, two bits of toast, two ash browns, a piece of... There's not even any bacon on this plate. Oh, there might be hidden under the bread. Uh, half a tomato, always a natter, uh, added thing, as far as I'm concerned. Some sauté potatoes, some beans, looking a bit sad, and a piece of black pudding. Over that, it's about nine pound. You know, but to be honest, you can go into a transport cafe and for a five you get something more. So the demise of Little Chef, they, they had resurgences. Every so often people went there. They, it was never sort of the best place to go, but I liked it. If you were on a motorway and you were travelling down. I mean, I remember calling into the Heston service station years ago. And, you know, being late at night, thinking we'll have a breakfast. And the woman was sort of, you know, half, half asleep there at night, lifting up the lids of all the things. You look at it, you think, God, it even looks unappetising. But the one thing that they did do... Uh, was that they sort of came up with the idea uh, to celebrate the Queen's Jubilee in 1977. Shows how easily pleased we were. They came up with Jubilee pancakes, which were pancakes stuffed with stewed cherries and served with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. And we thought that was really good. Apparently, to this day, it it, it remains one of the firm's best-selling menu items. (laughs) We thought that was really good. Knickerbocker glories, you remember... All these E-numbers all over the place. My godfathers. And so now it's going to be turned into yet another McDonald's or yet another Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I suppose, really, because you've got garages and they've got Marks and Spencer's outlets, you know what the food is, don't you? So you'd rather go and buy a sandwich. Well, there was one bloke said, he said, I don't want to take the, the, the kids into McDonald's. He said, at least here they've got to eat with a knife and fork. And that, that makes the difference. You know, because they think they're eating out. They think it's all posh if they've got a knife and fork. They don't have to use your fingers. But it's, it's, you know, it's, we do, we, we mourn these sort of places. Because by the side of the road, that's what you're looking. If you're, if you're on a, if you're on a long sort of journey, and all of a sudden you see a little chef, you knew what the food was going to be. You knew that they were going to cook it while you waited. It wasn't all sitting under hot lights. Talking of sitting under hot lights, old Davy Boy Beckham, you know, because he's a class act. He spent Saturday evening dining at Robin Burley's posh members-only Mayfair Club 5 in Hartford Street. Favoured by Pippa Middleton and Young Royals. I don't know what on earth David Beckham was doing there, to be quite honest with you. He's way out of his depth on things like that, doesn't say. Doesn't say. But, you know, he, he did satisfy the club's smart dress code 
but, you know, with his piercings and his tattoos and everything else, one can only think that Mark Burley would have said goodbye at the door and wouldn't have let him in at all. Don't want people like that. People with tattoos in a classy member. You can see the member going, what, what is that? Who is that? Beckham? Beckham? What is it Beckham? What does he do? I can't believe he's got tattoos. The bloody club. <laughs> that was the kind of thing. Mark Burley, I'm sure, wouldn't have let him in. But, of course, they let him in now because they go, he's David Beckham, he's worth 100 and something million. What he's doing there, I've got no idea. Do you think he effortlessly moves between the classes? I think it's quite... Perhaps he, was, I don't, he might have been waiting tables. I don't know. It might be a part-time job. Can't think of anybody else with tattoos. Oh, tattoos. Where did we go yesterday and we saw tattoos? Oh, there was a woman at Hampton Court with tattoos. She had bare shoulders and all tattoos all over the... F- oh, dear. God, it was horrible. Um, proving what we've said for the past... Pff, 15 years. And now MPs have been told the same. Half of all whiplash claims from car crashes are fraudulent. Anybody can go, whiplash, got whiplash. And they go into court, they put their little brace on. I've seen them. You know they're fraudulent because it's the way of making money. Because you can't prove whiplash, apparently. And so now, around 50%, possibly up to 60%, they say uh, it's, it's, too bo- it's too easy to fake. It is too easy to fake. And so people go in. The claims are typically worth two and a half grand a time and earn fees for the claim firms and the lawyers, or as I prefer to call them, the ambulance chasers. They're the people who go out there. Have you fallen over recently? You know, call this company and we will sort it all out for you. It means that about two billion a year is paid out to 550,000 claims. I don't know why they just don't knock it on the head and say we're not paying for whiplash. We're absolutely not paying for whiplash. There was some girl here, Daljinda Gill, who became the first person to die as a result of a cash-for-crash scam. She was stranded in the fast lane of the A40 in Buckinghamshire after a crash staged by three men. What they generally do is they take two cars out onto the motorway and they then have a car in front which breaks so the car behind, you crashes into them. You've got to be very aware of this. There's lots of people out there. What these people planned to do was uh, target a van in front of a car, which they knew had valid insurance. They would then make a bogus claim for £20,000 for personal injury. The van driver stopped safely, but her Ford Fiesta rammed into it. She got out of the car, left it with hazard lights flashing, reaching into the car for her belongings when she was hit by another vehicle and killed. And these people here, uh, I I can't pronounce their names, actually, uh, Blaowski, uh, Sharon and uh, Jaracek Kowalik uh, were all jailed for 10 years for causing death by dangerous driving. I mean, it's just, it's, it goes on all the time. They showed how to do it on the television. They were showing exactly what these gangs do. And they're all bent. You know, we need to have more hard and fast rules out there for the judges, most of whom are sort of sitting there pontificating out their little books. They need to up the sentences for all these kind of things. I mean, this, this woman died... And paid with that because they, they were trying to do a scam for 20, 20 grand. But the trouble is, they're ones who, who go to prison. There's loads who are getting away with it on a daily basis. Loads of them out there getting away with it on a daily basis. And that's what's so awful about it, is that it's very, very dangerous. But they don't care. They're only interested in the money. They're only interested in the money. They're not interested in anything else. They couldn't care less if anybody suffers as a result of it. You know, they, they really don't care. And that's why it's so sad. So I was quite delighted when they got sent to prison for 10 years. That's when they come out, you know, they will learn the error of their ways. But I have a sneaking feeling there's so many other people going on doing it that it doesn't actually make any difference. It costs us so much money. Uh, Anna from Chipperfields says, uh, we went to 
Hampton Court Food Festival. You're right, nowhere to sit, so we sat in the cake and bake tent, had a lovely day, bought a bottle of gin and went home. Off to the antique market at Kempton Park this morning. Love the show, Susanna. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. Not big enough. It needed to be bigger. There was loads of stalls there, but what was disappointing, we are talking to a couple of stallholders, is that there's some big companies who've moved in, but pretending they're little companies. You know what I mean? They're sort of like pretending. It's, it's like uh, we have a funeral director around our way, and you would think that it was a little family-run business. It's not. It's not. It's unfortunately... Uh, it's it's a big multinational insurance company. But they keep the old-fashioned name because you think you're dealing with a, with a local family and you're not. You're dealing with... Uh, you're dealing, I'm afraid, with with these big companies. And that's and that's how it exactly it was at Hampton Court yesterday. There were lots of big companies there pretending to be little companies. So they go, oh, we have this. But the food was terribly expensive, but it was nice. It was nice, you know, to buy things. To, you know, there were people queuing up for... They had zebra and Roebuck, and all sorts of things like that, and aged beef, I think 48-day-old beef. They had the usual old NAF hog roast. I don't know why any place with any class ever lets anybody have a hog roast, because they weren't roasting a hog at all. There was no hog being roasted. It was just meat that had been brought in. I was a bit disappointed, actually, but I loved it. I really did love it. I thought it was really nice. Really nice. Lots of people offering you samples, loads of ice cream. It was good, so I hope they had a busy time. But next year, make it, make it a bit bigger, please. Uh, little chefs are closing. Good thing, too. They belong in a time capsule. I suppose so, but if you've been used to toddling up and down the motorway, most motorway service stations are just rubbish. Their petrol is way too expensive. Somebody says here, oh, Andy, says more little chefs to close down. No! He says such a rare but guilty pleasure, and they approved of late, too. I love the idea that Andy from the travel goes to a little chef. Uh, oh, that's quite sweet, actually. I did, because you knew what you were getting. It's like going to a, going to a wimpy, wasn't it? And having, having a bender, if only they'd know. Uh, CJ says, the Olympic breakfast was terrific at the Little Chef. I particularly enjoyed their hot chocolate with the whipped cream on top. I think they were much better than their rival chain, the Happy Eater. I remember the Happy Eaters very well indeed. We used to have, do you remember Golden Eggs? We used to have a golden egg in Twickenham. That was lovely. I can't remember whether... And not in Twickenham, in Richmond, there was a golden egg up by the bridge. That was quite good. And then there was another one, the Tennessee Pancake House. That was a right load of old rubbish. That was terrible. The Tennessee Pancake House. The 1920s was very busy. I, of course, wasn't there. I'm doing it all from memory. Um, There's also here the formula that adds up to the perfect cream tea. And this is, again, where they go to... Don't ask me why. I'm as, in, I'm as baffled as you are, probably, by this one. The formula that makes... As far as I'm concerned, a cream tea is a scone, or scone, cut in half, a dollop of jam and a dollop of cream, and that's it. But no, they go to the boffins, and they've worked out that the, uh, the scone, or the scone, has to have a diameter of 60 millimetres. Ideal thickness of the cream is 4 millimetres. Ideal thickness of jam is 2.3 millimetres. And to prevent dripping, there should be a 5 millimetre rim of scone left visible after the jam and the cream cover the base. I won't do you the formula for it because you'll think I'm mad. And I don't want you to think I'm mad at this time of the morning. I sort of... I want you to think that we're trying to find some fun stories. you imagine they actually are scientists? They must be so balmy mad scientists that they actually go... For, the, for these things, and they go, right, I, I think we have to work out the formula for the best clotted cream and the best jam and stuff like that. They had loads of jam on sale yesterday, which was quite nice, at the Hampton Court Flower uh, food, food Festival. They do it every year. The next place is on Clapham Common, and tickets are already on sale for it. I go, because all these people just wander around. It's lovely. They had, um, one of my friends had 
um, a sausage roll, but it was a... Oh, sadly disgusting. A black pudding sausage roll. Can you think of anything worse? A black pudding sausage roll. No, sausage roll. Ugh. I said, that's so common. I said, it really is. But he comes from Manchester, so, of course, I mean, he's, I mean for him, it was like home home cooking from abroad. It was absolutely disgusting. Is you on a bite? I said, I don't think so, no. Absolutely disgusting it was. But the rest of it looked quite nice. I didn't even have an ice cream. I was quite good yesterday. I was keeping myself under control. I did have some Thai food, and as you know, all Thai food is deep fried. They can't actually survive Thai food without deep frying. We just did their sort of little taster menu thing. It was a fiver, but it was stone cold. Stone cold. You know, so if you go... It's all it is, it's just cheap deep fried stuff. But to be honest with you, when you're standing in the middle of a field, it's kind of nice. You know, people are offering you little drinks and things like that. And, um, and I bumped into a few people from LBC. That was nice. And uh, I don't want to go into it. It's too boring for words. Nothing worse when you see people you work with coming towards you and you think, oh, my God, you're on a free ticket, I can tell. They didn't look like they were going to spend any money. 84850, steve at Quarter to five. London's biggest conversation. LBC. Steve Allen. Somebody's writing in one of the uh, papers today about this programme on the television. I can't remember what it is, actually. It's where they have four dealers and somebody brings in, you know, a bottle of water as sort of, you know, drunk by Leonardo da Vinci or something like that. And they go, what's it worth? And the dealers come in and go, right, well, I'll make you an offer. And they go to room to room. Uh, it's called, what, four rooms? And it used to be really good when they had that. Now they've got this, this procession of quasi-antiquity-type dealers who aren't a patch on the first ones, including that most peculiar woman... Um, Tamara Beckwith, who all of a sudden appears to be an antique sinner. When that occurred, I've got no idea. She was always just one of those vacuous people who drifted from place to place with her old-fashioned sort of hairstyle. And now apparently... She's, anyway, she's, she offers the least money. She's offering the least money, and somebody's complaining about it, saying it's really not good enough. It used to be so much better, so much better, but uh, but now it's it's plumbed some new depths. It's moving to prime time, is it? Oh, God, Friday's... Well, see, the trouble is, I don't think Friday's 8pm is prime time. It's when everybody's in the pub. Everybody goes to the pub on Friday. I mean, who stays in on a Friday night and watches television? Sally Morgan, I should imagine. Um, I'm quitting smoking, says Nick. How do you do it? Well, you just stop buying cigarettes. It's quite simple, really. It's not complicated. It's very, very simple. There's no, no hard and fast rules to stopping smoking. You either want to stop smoking or you want to die. It's, 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 it's not even... It's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. If you want to stop smoking, you stop smoking. If you want to continue smoking, continue smoking. There is no easy way of doing it. You've just got to get over. You've just got to... You just get over it. I don't know... I don't know why people can't stop smoking. It's like stopping biting your nails, I suppose. You know, people say, oh, I can't stop biting my nails, or I can't stop drinking. You can do anything you want. You can absolutely do anything you want. Stopping smoking is probably the most difficult thing because it is so addictive. Cigarette smoke can be detected in the brain quicker than heroin. It's that addictive. That's why, if you're a non-smoker now, but you were a smoker, you have one cigarette to date, you'll be back on them. Within an hour, I guarantee. Less than an hour. Less than an hour. It's so addictive. I wouldn't even dream of having a cigarette now. wouldn't even think about it. Why would you want to undo all the good work? Somebody says, how could you eat ice cream? Are you insulin dependent like me? Loads of diabetics eat ice cream. You don't have to stop eating ice cream because you're on insulin. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Loads of people eat ice cream. You're not going to stuff your face with it. I eat ice cream. I also eat roast potatoes. I have everything. I have everything. The only thing I don't have is Indian food. I don't have Indian food because of the ghee and because of all the sauce. Anything that's got heavy sauces on, I tend to avoid. So I have stuff without sauces. But you can eat ice cream. 
Blimey. If, I mean, I'm, I'm insulin dependent, but I do eat ice cream. Anna Nilford says, Toby Inns, as much as you can eat, sausage, bacon, beans, tomatoes, hash browns, sauté potatoes, fried eggs and scrambled egg, tea and coffee, three ninety nine. But haven't they done better up north? It would have to be up north, doesn't it? Uh, where they've got the pound breakfast. It's like Poundland, and for a pound you get four items. Which they, so I think for pensioners, that's a brilliant idea. I think on the first day they opened, they did 300 breakfasts, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. You know, it's pensioners. I mean, I'd, I'd be going anyway, because for £2, you can have eight items. And it looked fairly hearty. I'm not saying that the sausage is going to be the best quality, but you can't go far wrong with an egg. You can't go for it. probably Richmond sausages, which sort of look lovely. Then we've got 42% meat, which we, uh, which we complained bitterly about the other day. Uh, Ian Highland writing about television. He says, now that another series of ITV2 Peter Andre, My Life, has drawn to a close... It's time for us to reflect on what it, what it told us about the Malta Music Awards Best International Male 2013. It might as well have been Zimbabwe's, you know, Best Male International Singer. So here we, here we go. This is the... And mine as well, but Ian Highland echoes what I've said before. Peter Andre loves his kids. He loves coffee. He loves a barbecue. He loves a holiday. He loves to show the names of the outlets he requires stuff from. He loves talking about how he doesn't like to talk about his ex-wife. He loves bumping into his adoring fans, especially when there's a camera crew on board, to capture the moment in all its lush spontaneity. And he loves his girlfriend, Ems. And she, of course, toss, 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 loves him as well. And uh, it didn't tell you anything new about Peter Andre. It also tells you that he can't actually do a photo shoot for his calendar if he's eaten a ham sandwich at two in the morning. He has to wait until, you know, the ham sandwich has worked its way through so that he can then do his calendar shoot, because apparently it's, a, according to his agent, a nice little earner. Of course it is. People buy pictures of uh, Peter Andre. They like the calendars. They like the whole idea. It's, you know, you're buying into... She said, he is the complete package. Yep, dim. From start to finish, we knew and were told nothing about him last night. It was just the boring fact that Peter was going off to, to film a calendar. I mean, you know, with the, uh, with, with the manager in tow... She loves it. She can't get enough of him, can she? She really can't. Actually, where's her boyfriend gone to? He's, he used to feature in the show. And, uh, yes, absolutely. They're both uh, joint owners of um, of the production company that make Peter Andre my dreary life. Sorry, my life. It's, uh, you know, Peter... I mean, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Very, very strange indeed. But uh, she does pitch up Claire to everything. And you think, oh, for God's sake, leave him alone, dear. You begin to look like a desperate old woman, looking like somebody at the only way is Essex. Not so good. Uh, I'm listening in America. And uh, pardon me for being American. I'm sorry, we we can't help you in that one. What is black pudding? Okay, Holly, here we go. It's pudding that is black. Okay, there you go. How, how cool is that? It's blood. Okay, it's blood. That's what it is. It's dried blood, which apparently we eat in this country. Not me, thank you very much indeed. I'm, I'm still... I mean, in fact, I could go vegetarian over things like that. It's disgusting. It really is the most horrendous thing. Next to chorizo, I don't think there's anything as bad in the entire... Well, popcorn. There was somebody offering free popcorn yesterday. As if you're going to wander around a food festival and go for popcorn. It's a food festival. It's for people who understand about food, not popcorn. It was absolute rubbish. I mean, what a thing. You know, I mean, popcorn. Would you like some popcorn? We see it being delivered here for all the cinemas. They don't make it. It comes in huge plastic sacks. Huge plastic. And all they do is pour it into the machine and then pretend they've made it. And they charge a four... Would you like some popcorn? I don't think so, no. Oh, right. Would you like a giant hot dog? No, I've come to watch a film. Oh, right. Popcorn's on special. Well, it would need to be. 
Hell of a mistake. Not sure I followed, says Ian Highland. Alan Carr's line of questioning to Helen Flanagan on Chatty Man. At one point, Alan asked her, would you ever take all your clothes off for the camera? And Ian Highland says, would she ever keep a few of her clothes on, more like? She spends her whole life. I mean, did you notice, though, how not, not ditzy, just not nothing there. There is an empty space between the ears. There is this huge void. Hello, 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 hello. Helen, 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 Helen. There used to be that thing on the television, didn't there? Was it a meerkat? Steve, 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 Steve. Alan, 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 Alan. And somebody put it all together, and all of a sudden I became famous with meerkats, which I, which I liked. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. Oh, loads of tributes to, to Bill Pertwee. I like that. I think it's nice. And they've told you, they've all gone now. They've all gone. John Laurie, who played um, Frasier. Uh, Captain Mannering, Arthur Lowe, he's gone. Uh, Arnold Ridley, he wrote a very famous play called The Ghost Train. And that was uh, Private Godfrey. John Le Mesurier, Sergeant Wilson. Clive Dunn was Corporal Jones, he died the other year, he was about 93 or something like that. Absolutely wonderful, he had a hit single. And now, uh, now we're back on the television with, what are they tempting us with today? Oh, that's right, they're tempting us with Michaela Strachan. She must be 90! I mean, she can't be on... I mean, it's, unfortunately, she's so airbrushed in all the pictures. She, she's on the television together with Chris Packham, who's become a little bit of an irritant. little bit of an irritant. And some other bloke called Martin, who I've got no idea who he is. He's obviously another one of these people who sort of pitches up for these, these nature programmes. But nothing is as good as Countryfile. Countryfile seems to hit the right thing. I mean, Michaela Strachan seems to have spent her entire life doing doing animal programmes. I don't think she does anything else, but she's very airbrushed in the paper today. Very, very airbrushed. But I love the story, if only because it turns things around. And it's a sports star, Adam uh, Goodies. And he points out a girl who is sitting watching him playing and she calls him an ape. She calls him an ape. So he points her out in front of a crowd. He's Aboriginal. He pointed at the girl until stewards ejected her. Sydney Swan star Adam says, It broke my heart. That taunt came from a fan. She's 13 years old. She's a racist. She's apologised for the insult during the Swans' win over the team. I mean, she's pictured in all the papers today. What a piece of, you know, a trash at 13 that you can issue a racist comment like that. But then, of course, we've always known that the Australians were racist towards the Aborigines because we know that because the BBC did a programme on it years ago. They did a programme on it. In fact, actually, a friend of mine who works at Sky did a programme in this country proving that there are certain parts of this country that are as racist as they come. But I remember seeing a programme in Australia where they took a, a young Aboriginal girl out there to see if they could get her sort of booked into hotels, and they didn't want her. She was turned away. She was physically turned away. In this country, my friend Tim from Sky did this very interesting programme with a black friend of his where they both phoned up hotels. I think they, they did Bristol. And, and he, he says to the hotel, oh, have you got a room for the night? Yes, we've got a room for the night. OK, I'll be along in about ten minutes. Thank you. And so he would phone up. And then his friend, who was black, would phone up. And what they'd do, they used to send the, uh, the black guy in first. And he'd go, oh, I booked a room. And she'd go, I'm sorry, we haven't got any rooms now. They all, sorry, somebody made a mistake on the phone. And because they were being filmed with a hidden camera, of course, they were quite free and easy about it. So, so the black guy went, oh, OK, fine, thank you. He didn't make any fuss he just turned around and went away. And then my friend Tim went in and said, oh, I booked a room. Yes, 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 come in. In you come. And you think, you're a racist. 
that's a racist. It's, you know, it's like, you know, the couple who claimed they weren't homophobic because they didn't want two gay men sharing a bedroom because we're good Christian people. What are you saying? You can't be gay and Christian. You must be joking. It's a veritable fairyland out there. A veritable fairyland, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why it was so interesting, this programme. And when I spoke to Tim about it afterwards, it was done years ago, he said even we were surprised at how openly racist people were, he said. And we tried it in numerous places. He said, but it was the private bed and breakfast, he said, that, uh, that was sort of going, no. And then they went back and confronted people. It's amazing how they backtracked. It's amazing how they backtracked. Some people, of course, take it further. And they take it to court. And then, sadly, on many occasions, they lose. They lose. But I think this sports star pointing out this girl at 13, you know, and he literally, he halted the game. He said, listen, stop it now. Either she's out or we're all walking off the pitch. And so they threw her out. And she later apologised. But, I mean, quite clearly, she harbours those views at the age of 13, which is, which is terrible, really. Absolutely terrible. 84850, uk. Steve at lbc.co.uk. A um, lot of people asking about black pudding, saying, is it, really, um, is it really going to be blood? Yes, sadly it is. Black pudding is just blood. It's blood and something else, isn't it? Whatever it is, it's just not very pleasant. Uh, Jay says, would have gone to the Hampton Court Food Festival, but you didn't mention it beforehand. Of course I did. In fact, we did it all day Friday and, uh, and Thursday. In fact, we talked about it non-stop. On LBC. Well, you'd have to, have to miss it, won't you, then? That's your problem, isn't it? You're not, not intelligent enough to find out what's going on in the area. I can't help things like that. We can't come around and wet-nurse you, for goodness sake. You have to make decisions by yourself. I mean, can you open up a paper? Can you read? Find out what things are going on? I did love the story. Remember the granny who was featured on the programme who was making the cheese and the police went, you can't do it. But they did go ahead with it, didn't they? And people turned up and they raised money for charity, which was quite good. And there was an American one. Really? Oh, right. We... Oh, the American won the race. What, with the cheese? Well, that's outrageous. How can we let an American enter it? I think that's absolutely scandalous. What, is he on a tourist visa or something? Well, how did that happen? Oh, he came in specifically for it. They're so missing, aren't they, out in America and things like that. I could eat a little Chef Big breakfast now. I could quite eat an Olympian breakfast. Go to Mount Olympus and be with the gods. Anyway, I'm looking a little bit like Mikhail Gorbachev this morning on the programme because I um, unfortunately scraped my head on a door. I know, as I was coming here, it's horrible, really. But it's, it's quite attractive. It's a feature. It's a feature point. It makes it look as I've been in a bad fight, which, of course, I haven't. So we'll take a short break for the news at five, which is next on LBC. On FM. That's why. So depending on how you have your scones, either the cream on top or the jam on top, determines on where you're eating it. I, don't, I always love it when round here, you know, they do, you know, you can get a Devon cream tea. You know, but the people serving it have never even been to Devon. It's like, you know, fish and chips, they say, the great British invention. I'm not totally convinced it was, actually. I thought it was done by somebody else. But I quite like the idea, anyway. All these people on police bail, 57,000 of them. I mean, some of them, three and a half years. Three and a half years on police bail. What what they're they're trying to do now is they're trying to call for a 28-day statutory maximum period for police bail. Please bear, because otherwise it just goes on for ever and a day, doesn't it? Ever and a day. Uh, the Prince of Wales has attacked food production methods, which said led to the horsemeat scandal and a fall in public health. No, you see, I don't think it's food production methods that led to the horsemeat scandal. I thought it was greedy, greedy people who were putting in cheap horsemeat, mixing it all up. If you put a small amount in and mix it up, nobody knows, nobody knows. And so we've been eating it for donkey's years. And that's how they made so much money, all these companies. 
That's the only reason they made money, is because they were putting horse meat in there. And the big supermarket said, well, we didn't know. Well, why weren't you checking? Isn't it your duty, if you're making huge profits out of us, you know, isn't it your duty to check what goes in? I won't eat sausage rolls now. Especially not at the cheaper end of the market. And for that, I include all the outlets at Waterloo Station and every other station in London. Because I don't know. There's nowhere on their thing that says what the ingredients are of their sausage rolls. It's just a sausage roll made in the West Country or wherever. I have a sneaking feeling it might not be. But all of that to one side, it doesn't say what the ingredients are. And if you say to them, what's the meat content? They wouldn't have the faintest idea. And that's why I wouldn't touch them. I told you I had a sausage in one of these places. It was a curly Cumberland sausage in a roll. Well, this thing tasted like sawdust. I don't think there was any meat in it at all. You know, it was just a piece of a piece of skin with some sawdust in the middle. And I mean, it was disgusting. It really was disgusting. But nobody ever complains. We go, oh, it's crap food. It's at the station. You expect it to be bad, don't you? That's why people go to McDonald's or Burger King to a certain extent. But I'm not a big fan of Burger King. Or failing that, now you go to Marks and Spencers. But yesterday, being bank holiday, of course, nothing's open. Absolutely nothing's open. You know, they all open later because they get to bank holiday. And yet there's loads of people work on a bank holiday. It's just a normal day for us as far as we're concerned. Uh, other stories in the papers today. They've got all the people doing the uh, the annual cheese rolling competition. And it was an American called Kenny Rackers. Kenny came all the way from Colorado Springs, uh, having seen previous events on television. I mean, we used to love as kids running downhill. So you fell over. Well, that was an occupational hazard. You know, and then people go, oh, you can't have that because you might fall over and damage Oh, shut up. Goodness sake, honestly. Like, yeah, people are so mamby-pamby nowadays. I don't understand why. They just don't live. Somebody falls over, you fall over. Nobody cares anymore, do they? They were doing um, a piece in one of the papers on fashion at Cannes because it's, it's always a good page fill. In fact, you can actually fill about two or three pages up when you actually get to, uh, to Cannes. And they were looking at all the people and who looked great. And loads of people there who were involved in the film industry. And then Cheryl Cole, who's got nothing at all to do with the film industry at all. She's never made a decent film in her life, poor soul. She struggles through singing. But they had her there because she was promoting the company that pay her a lot of money, their uh, products. And, and who else was there? Dita Von Tees. Dita Von Tees. I mean, what's she got to do with Can? She's one of these... She claims to be a burlesque star. Dreadful. Oh, yes, there was a film which was uh, Cheryl Cole was in, and she was playing herself. She was playing um, um, uh, a host. She was a judge on a dancing kind of thing. She was terrible on that. I saw that clip. She took about wooden... She made Robin of Sherwood look animated. The forest, that is, as opposed to the person. Actually, I did watch Robin of Sherwood the other day. It was a very dated film, but it was lovely. It was really good. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> it was good stuff. Uh, lots of people going to be talking about Woolwich later on today. Nick Ferrari will be talking and asking whether or not the Prime Minister should go on holiday. I mean, the answer is, of course, he should go on holiday. You cannot exactly expense, expect somebody to sit here for the whole time, you know, just because something's happened. There's nothing that he can do, nothing he, can, he can't solve from abroad. And Nick knows that, because let's face it, he knows people who edit newspapers from abroad, send their, their columns in. Tom Bauer, the investigative journalist and biographer of Gordon Brown and Simon Cowell's unofficial biographer, there's a mouthful, will be in the studio looking at the papiers for today. And it is, you know, a lot of... A lot of stories. I mean, the front of the uh, the Times, they've got the new queens of comedy. This is Honey Boo Boo. I haven't seen the programme, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I mean, I really can't be bothered with fat families like this in America and their kids, and they're just, they're just dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Uh, courts to be privatised in a radical justice shake-up. I'm more interested in that one. Looking forward to my second call for, uh, for jury service. And... Um, 
And who is this? Kate and Pippa's adored Uncle G, Gary Goldsmith. He looks a bit spivvy. He looks a bit spivvy. Any man who has a handkerchief in his top pocket, I'm afraid, that goes down as a bit spivvy, as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen people. And, um, and the Duchess was given a fake Cartier watch the other day, worth about ten euros. <laughs> but it's the secret of the perfect cream tea, isn't it? The debate has raged for years, and so now the University of Sheffield's maths department have come up with the formula. According to tradition, the Devon way, the Devon way, Devon knows how they make it so tasty, is to cover the scone, or scone, with cream first. But the Cornish, because they say we invented cream teas, like Cornwall, they prepare their scones the opposite way. So in other words, they have the cream second. And so now, Dr Eugenia Cheng claims to have the final word with a mathematical formula, which is a victory for the Cornish people. Okay, the Cornish people, you remember, are the ones who have their scone on top. So they have jam and then the cream on top. That's how it works. And so it's a ratio of two to one to one by weight. So the average scone weighing 70 grams, you want 35 grams of jam, 35 grams of cream. In other words, you just put a big dollop of jam and cream on it. Yep, done. And that's it. They just eat it. I've never been a big fan of scones. It's the scone bit I don't like. I think you just sort of cut out the middleman, line your back and pour cream in your mouth. A little bit of jam and then you haven't got to waste anything, have you? Producer likes cream on top. Same reason you put peanut butter on the bottom before the jam, if you like peanut butter. Oh, I can't think of anything worse. Peanut butter and jam. That's an American thing. What do you think Elvis Presley died of? Peanut butter and jam. That's what he did. He did peanut butter and jam. Uh, and then they call it jelly, don't they, over there? Absolutely terrible. I can't think of anything worse. I cannot think of anything. And he used to have them deep fried. Deep fried. Small wonder the man was a beast. God, dear. Um... Other stories in the papers today, the uh, front of the Independent, they're talking about uh, the injured war veterans humiliated by the benefits crackdown. That's why I get annoyed when I see people who are thieving the benefits system when they're perfectly able, because they've had a change of circumstances. The councillor in the paper today, 45,000. I was pleased to say, and I nearly tweeted it, I think I might have done, the woman who thieved 350,000 with the eight children, they've sent her to prison for four years. Good. Why don't we send this councillor to prison? All these people should go to prison. I'm not messing around with them anymore. I mean, this, we, we, we've pussyfooted around. They know they're thieving. They know they're doing it wrong. And then you get servicemen who come back. That's why our help for heroes is so important for this week. Not just for this week, but for, for a lot longer. But this week is the week that we've got all the auction prizes on the LBC website. And there's some really good stuff. You can have afternoon tea with me at the Langham. Uh, and I'll take you to Hampton Court. We'll go around Hampton Court. Plus, you get loads of... Go and check it out. You know, if you've got a few minutes, if, of course, you don't have a computer, you're kind of missing out on this one. But you can still help us. Because if you want to take part in the LBC 97.3 appeal, you can donate now by texting the letters HERO, H-E-R-O, and then you send that to 70766. And that donates £5 to help make a difference, to help for heroes. Uh, it also includes your standard network rate. That goes on top of that. So for terms and conditions, go to lbc.co.uk. So HERO, H-E-R-O, and send it to 70766. That will donate £5 plus your standard network rate. And uh, and it's good. It's only £5. not even the price of a packet of cigarettes, is it? And it goes to a very, very, very good cause. 
There's a prison guard on the front page of the Mirror today who was kidnapped and beaten up by a Muslim terror thug serving life for a sickening plod to behead a, a British soldier. Parvis Khan, a rather ugly person. But they all seem to have hatred written on their faces, don't they? they? must be really miserable people. Bit of a shame, really. He flew into a rage when asked to pray for murdered Lee Rigby at Full Sutton Jail near York. The warder was freed by a riot squad after five hours. I mean, it is just quite ridiculous, isn't it? And what's the matter with these sort of these fundamentalists? Perhaps, as I say, perhaps they're, they're misinterpreting. Perhaps they're not intelligent enough to understand, you know, how how ninety nine percent of the Muslims in this country see things. Perhaps they just don't understand it. Perhaps they just don't understand it. Perhaps you know you can sort of you know bang your head against a brick wall and still it's not kind of sinking in, is it? It's not actually going anywhere at all. Um. Dom Jolly is the guest columnist today. Not funny at all. I've never found... I must be the only one who never found Dom Jolly funny. I didn't find it... Hello! All that kind of stuff. Didn't do anything at all. But he's managed to weave his wife in and uh, and his daughter today, which was lovely. He also watches The Apprentice. He says, try as I might, I can't stop watching it. I think everybody watches it in horror that people are that stupid. That these people have actually made it onto television, proof that there is life after death, and they pitch up on the television... And and then you watch them and you sit there with mock horror thinking they, they can't be that bad. I said yesterday on the programme that having watched All-Star Mr and Mrs, which is a bit of a lie in the first place, there's no stars on it. And please, can somebody get some work for Philip Schofield? Where I'm now getting to the point of desperate. I might have to go and pick it, ITV. Give him some work. We hardly ever see Philip Schofield on the television. But anyway, up pitches Joey Essex. A complete idiot of the First Order. I mean, if he is a result of a school in Essex, that school should be closed down. He, is, he didn't know how many sides a square had. I mean, I know three-year-olds who know the answer to that. And, and they laugh. They go, oh, isn't it funny? I'm thinking, it's terribly sad. It's terribly sad that somebody can be that stupid. He just did not know how many sides a square had. He didn't know that the plural of mouse was mice. He thought it was mouses. I mean, he's that dim. That's the embarrassment. And that's somebody who's been through the education system. Did he sit there and do Dolly Daydream out the window? Did he learn anything at all? No. And that's why you can't wait for it all to come crashing down around his ears. And they stick out a bit, don't they? Quarter past five. (laughs) These headlines with Dan Whitehead. LBC 97.3 has been given a... Do check out the LBC website. There's some lovely, uh, lovely things on there. There really are. Julia Hartley Brewers taking you on a powerboat ride. <laughs> Don't make me do it again. Uh, the ultimate driving package. You can drive a Maserati GT and fly to Verona. You can go and watch um, James O'Brien eat, and you have to sit with him as well while he eats in a restaurant. Book signed by Margaret Thatcher. There's a, a six-night stay in Morocco. Uh, I've got afternoon tea. Uh, this is at the Langham for four. Uh, plus, I've also got... I've got another one, actually. I'm trying to find it. Oh, there's a, a royal day out rowing at the Henry Regatta. Oh, there's also the garden package with me. Visit the Hampton Court Flower Show with the much-loved LBC presenter Steve Allen. Uh, tour some of the UK's best gardens and get your own summer ready with £500 from Homebase and a Caligas barbecue. You can have lunch with Nick Ferrari. And uh, that's quite nice. Plus, you can uh, have a luxury four nights in Bali. You can go to Athens... Uh, there's a wine lover's dream with James Max. There's a sumptuous day out at the Cartier Polo Queen's Polo Queen's Club, and you can take to the skies of London with Anthony Davis. That's just some of the items on there. There's loads on there. Why not have a Why not have a bid? Have a punt for some of them, and uh, and that's why we're raising money, supporting help for heroes. But the other way you can do it if you can't afford any of those things 
And I would like to think that people can afford some nice things. Uh, you can donate now by texting the letters HERO, H-E-R-O, to 70766 and donate £5 to help make a difference. Text costs £5 plus your standard network rate, terms and conditions on lbc.co.uk. It'd be a nice thing to do today. £5, it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. So text HERO to 70766, 70766, and donate £5 to help make a difference. Thank you. Uh, one here from uh, Jeanette of Kingsbury, who went to Denham yesterday. Paul Daniels was doing magic tricks and had a photo taken with him for £5. You got a pack of cards with it, all for your theatrical charity. Great plant stalls, Ladies Institute cake stands, marvellous day out. Bit worried it was very Midsummer Murders. It is beautiful, though, isn't it? Beautiful village. Denham, it's, it's really lovely, but you're right, it does look a bit Midsummer Murders. Uh, they had a three-piece band at the church. She's there. We went on to racing at Windsor, which was a family day packed and expensive. Nothing like Denham. She's got a handbag stall in Regent Street. Thank you, Jeanette, very much indeed. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was good, wasn't it? It was very good indeed. Uh, eight for eight five zero. I don't think you realise, says John, you said about people having eaten horse meat for donkey's years. Of course I did. I'm a radio presenter. I know everything. It's all scripted. I cannot go off script. So when I said horse meat, eating horse meat for donkey's years, I just let it sink in a bit. And then, then, and then people like you come in and go, did you realise that you said that? Of course I realised. I know everything. The ingredients are black pudding. Oh, dear God in heaven. I really don't want to know, actually. But Tim says, uh, black pudding is a blend of onions, pork fat, oh God, oatmeal, flavourings and blood. Oh, no. So horrible, isn't it? He said, back home in New Zealand... I don't know how they speak in New Zealand. I was just, that was my sort of quasi, could have been New Zealand, could have been anywhere kind of thing. Well, we used to have it when we stayed at my grandparents as children, along with brawn and pickled sandwiches for lunch. Brawn is the brain, incidentally. Oh, yuck. And tripe and onions for dinner. Can't say I miss it, though. Lamb's fry, liver, and bacon is still a favourite. Very healthy, actually, if it's lean and organic. I love liver and bacon. Oh, I love it. Some people can't bear it. Isn't that funny? I think it's what you what you grew up with, but I wouldn't have eaten brawl. We were never that poor that we had tripe and onions for lunch or put lard on bread or something. Oh, God, no. But uh, definitely liver and bacon. And my mum did a really good liver and bacon. It was all crispy around the edges. And bacon with gravy over the... Oh, it's delicious. Absolutely delicious. So thank you, Tim, for that one. The idea of eating brawn, I'm afraid, does not appeal to me in the slightest. In the slightest. Um... 84850, uk. Uh, Burger King is much better than McDonald's, says Les in Bishop Stortford. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. That's why there's more McDonald's around. Uh, I feel quite sad, says Will, about the little chef closing. It didn't appeal to all, but it supplied good, basic British food. I shall mourn its passing. Yeah. Apparently, Michaela Strachan is 46. Oh, she's got to be older than 46. She's been going since I was a child. She lives in Africa and obviously comes over. She has three kids, not goats. My son met her recently when she promoted her stage uh, show at the pet department in the garden centre where he works. Very down to earth. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, Malcolm says, earlier you were saying how useless cycle helmets are. Bet you wish you were wearing one when you head-butted the door. No, because it wouldn't have covered the bit where I head-butted, unfortunately. It was, it was the, unfortunately, the front. It was the front, so it's, uh, so that's why, and it started weeping now. Ooh, terrible. Wendy says, peanut and banana sandwich, then deep fried. Peanut and, oh, dear me, it's like, that's what Elvis used to have. Tracy says, currently icing lemon drizzle cupcakes, although my sister-in-law, who clearly loves lemon, calls them lemon downpour. Lemon downpour, I should love lemon drizzle cake. 
lemon drizzled cake, a lovely thing to eat. But, but for, 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 for breakfast in the morning, I think it has to be that great, you know, that great British fry-up. I don't know why we have fry-ups, because in other countries they have healthy breakfast. We seem to have unhealthy breakfast, but is it only because... We're now told it's unhealthy, because in the early days we didn't think it was unhealthy. I was looking at a, an old British film the other day, and it was about some actresses in a, in, a, in a home, and they were all trying to get work and how difficult it was. But everybody was smoking in this British film, and I kept thinking, God, everybody was... I mean, literally everybody was smoking. They all had cigarettes on, and, you, I mean, sometimes you had to sort of peer to see the actress through the, through the haze of smoke, because we smoked all the way through it. And we don't know... We don't know why we smoked all the way through, I suppose, because we were addicted and I suppose cigarettes were a little bit cheaper. Uh, This was a... Now, why did I save this story here? Oh, this was a shepherd who was tending his sheep and he was in... I don't know where he was, actually. In Bosnia. And this bear leapt out at him um, while he was tending. And what he did... He sat with his flock. He suffered deep cuts in his arms and head as the bear tried to bite him. He said, I grabbed it round the throat and I squeezed it till it collapsed. I bet that would frighten the life out of me. That would absolutely... There's a horrendous story and it's a story, it's anti-RSPCA. Because people have said, you know, the RSPCA, when you, when you sort of phoned up before and you said, and we had an experience on the programme where we had ducklings, you remember. I told the story of the ducklings. And uh, we phoned up and said, uh, we've got these ducklings. And the woman at the end of the phone said, what do you expect me to do about it? Which I didn't think was the attitude at all. Had I said I've got a film crew here now and we're recording this conversation, things might have been somewhat different. But this, this was a couple who looked out of the garden. They heard this dreadful noise. This dreadful, dreadful noise. And they looked out into their garden at night, and they've got one of these little dogs, these little pomeray kind of things, a little, little tiny thing, you know, sort of like a hamster with slightly elongated legs. And a fox had it in its jaws. It had grabbed it. and was quite clearly going to take it back for food. I didn't know they did things like that, but they do. And they, they had a tremendous tussle with the RSPCA, who were telling people how to live with foxes. We just watched our dog being mauled to pieces by this fox in the garden. Because now the, the foxes have got no, no no fear of humans because we feed them. People put food out for foxes. You know, we've had, we've had over the years the, uh, the sort of the balmy people who feed pigeons. And pigeons, by their very nature, are foragers. They forage for food. That's what they do. When people put food out for they just sit there waiting for the food to arrive. In fact, in our way, there's so many people feeding them that the pigeons sit there going, I couldn't eat another thing. I re- what, more rice and bread? You must be joking. And you've got these so-called well-meaning people. But what they are is they're animal haters. Because they're filling them up so much that they don't even bother scrounging for food. So when it comes to the winter, all the rubbish that they throw on the ground, these people should be prosecuted. Absolutely prosecuted. And people who feed foxes, oh, they're, they're God's creatures. Well, they might be, but they forage. And the more people put food out for them, the more they don't want to forage. They just come and they kill cats. And this poor little dog that was sort of, you know, half eaten to death. It's ridiculous. 84850 uk. Apparently you can get sausage and egg McMuffins 24 hours and delivered from their restaurants in Hong Kong, says Ben. Uh, why on earth would you want a sausage and egg McMuffin 24 hours a day? Oh, I can't think of anything worse. Oh, no. Uh, ketchup and something. I don't know what I don't know what the ideal breakfast is. There was a doctor on the television over the weekend, and I was sitting there watching him. And he was talking about healthy eating, and one of them was he said he used to have a bowl of muesli every morning. 
He said, I thought it was healthy. He said, until I realised when I weighed it all out, I was eating six, six portions of muesli. A portion is what you can get in your hand. I know it looks ridiculous, but that is a portion of muesli. So whatever you can fit in your hand, you pour that into a bowl. Well, I mean, I wouldn't feed a rabbit. Wouldn't feed a rabbit. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it that this was that that was supposed to be a portion because when we all it's like you know they used to say eat eat two shredded wheat no I can eat three shredded wheat and I used to have shreddies and shredded wheat and sometimes when I was feeling really hungry and I bearing in mind I have all my cereal without sugar on because I, even as much as I love to eat frosties and things like that I can't eat that because that's, that's sugar and it's it's too too bad for me so I can eat any cereal I like just with milk on it but I could eat two bowls of cornflakes oh. I always oh, love bowl of cornflakes drenched in ice cold milk. Uh, Paul in Manchester says you missed out the real star of Peter Andrex's show, Gloria, the housekeeper. Also, we've still not been told the answer to the main question on our minds: What has he done with the two pugs? Yes, where 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 are the dogs gone? We haven't seen the dogs for a while, have we? He had a barbecue recently, didn't he? Didn't he have a barbecue? <laughs> he says, if he is the full package, by the way, why the hankies? Socks. He used a sock. He was filming his uh, his calendar shoot, Peter Andre, and in front of the camera, it's a rather stupid, unwise thing to say. He said, well, I'm standing in a cold swimming pool. This is in a boiling hot country. And so they bring over a sock and he shoves it. And it's t- and you think to yourself, and even some take, the people take the picture, it just looks a bit peculiar. And it's because Peter Andre, teeny tiny, and so he doesn't want, you know, you know, big muscly bloke, Whoa, muscle, 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 teeny tiny. And so that's why the sock down the front, and they filmed it and showed it on the television. And I remember Claire's agent saying, last year he used a sock, this year he used a hanky. It's getting worse, isn't it? Very soon he better pop it in an egg cup. It's really getting desperate. It's no good having the looks, which he hasn't, of course, because he doesn't bother to shave anymore, if you're, you know, downstairs in, in the department and there's, and there's nothing going on. A little bit too early for things like that. But anyway, on to the Great British Sausage again. And, uh, and breakfast, which we, could, uh, which we could do. So uh, we, will be, uh, we will be telling you that Peter Andre's show is coming back. Why? Because he loves his kids. And we do as well, don't we? <laughs> it's 5.30. 27 minutes to 6, Tuesday morning. I'm sure I keep thinking it's Monday. I'm totally convinced in the back of my tiny mind there's a little thing that says, it's Monday, it's Monday, and then I thought, no, 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 yesterday was Monday, today is work. And back to work and miserable weather, I'm afraid. It's going to rain, it's going to rain all this week, except for, I think, Friday and, and Saturday. Just going back to, uh, to Paul, and he says, uh, Peter Andre's show is apparently coming back, transmission date unknown, so uh, no toss, 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 toss till then, which is good. And uh, he says, I've enjoyed your memories of companies no longer with us. Here up north, we had UCP, United Cattle Products, which ran a chain of over 146 restaurants and shops. They specialised in tripe products and black pudding. It is actually onions, pork fat, oatmeal, fillers and blood. Best ones found at Berry Market, another northern institution, which may have its, made its way down south. And that was the Cardoma Coffee House. Sounded very exotic. Wasn't at all. Watery coffee in minuscule cups. I remember the Cardoma, because we used to think that coffee was very much full of Eastern delight and Eastern promise. And it was all very, you know, sort of big coffee pots and lovely brocade fabrics. And it was nothing like that at all, was it? The Tennessee Pancake House was hilarious. I loved that. I thought that was great. I don't know why that we, we went for um, pancakes. I had one the other day. God, they're so boring, aren't they? Why do people queue up for a pancake? 
you know, it's all it is is somebody pours it on, then they've got that wooden stick that they turn round to spread it, and then they put the filling in the middle, bananas and cream, eight pounds, turn that over, fold that over, there you go, eight pounds, thank you, next one. Oh, it's the most boring food ever, pancakes. They had a barbecue yesterday at Hampton Court, they had everything. I don't think there was anything that was missing, apart from they needed more places to sit down. You know, you have to realise that there are some people who are elderly and some people who um, who like to sit down. In fact, the only time we actually sat down was when we had a glass of champagne. I want a Pims. Pims. I didn't have a Pims because it's got lemonade in and that's just too much. Too much. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, Tesco have 20 frozen sausages with the same meat content as eight Richmond sausages, but only a pound. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Tom says, if Miss Strachan, Michaela, is 46, then I'm 37, like you. Well, I'm, I'm 37 plus that, which is okay. Um, 84850. Uh, Paul Daniels is doing the official opening of Davenport's Magic Kingdom in North Walsham. And that's in June. Keith is listening in Holt in Norfolk. Mike says, what's happened to Little Chef? Don't tell me they've gone to the wall. They went to the wall ages ago. They, they, they closed down ages. That's why, that's why half of them aren't there, I'm afraid. And so there is now people thinking that they could turn them into Kentucky Fried Chickens. or I mean, all, all the really, really bad stuff. Kentucky Fried Chicken would be great if it wasn't for the coating on the outside of the chicken. You know, just eating chicken that's been steamed is great for you. But it's the coating that's bad. But of course, it's the coating bit you like, isn't it? That's why there's so many gargantuan people in America. I mean, they are how they get their bottoms on the seats, I've got no idea. McDonald's, very bad for you on a daily basis. You should not be eating it on a daily basis. It's not good for you, in moderation. Pizza, very bad for you. All of this stuff comes from America. That's why you've seen the Americans. You've seen how big they are. I mean, they're huge. Even, even what I call ordinary Americans on chat shows, are huge. They really are enormous. Peanut butter and coleslaw sandwiches are delicious. Oh, dear, really? Peanut butter, I'll think about that one. Peanut butter and... Oh, no. I don't, th- I don't think I could do peanut butter and coleslaw. <laughs> that doesn't sound at all nice, I'm afraid. Although it could be something I could be tempted to try. I'm not, I'm not too sure whether I ever would. More on this, uh, this boxing champion on his first night with his girlfriend. They, they aren't married, says um, Carl... Frosch, or something. As I said, I've never heard of him. I've got no idea who he is. I'm assuming he's, and he, he hasn't got married yet. He said, but if ever I marry anyone, it will be Rachel. Oh, that's nice, isn't it, really? They've been together. It's not like boxers have got anything else to do and they're not boxing. You know, they stand there twiddling their thumbs, looking a bit bored. And so they've not had that for, for three months or so, something. So they're telling you how boring their life is by having to, to drone on about their sex life as if we're remotely interested. So... He's given up sweet treats when he sort of trains to be a boxer, and and he's a boxer, but I mean, I couldn't care less. There's hardly any boxer in this country make money. I remember talking to a boxing promoter, and he said hardly any of them make any money now. There's only about six people that make money. But apparently, um, I wonder, Rachel has, I think they've got two children. But I love the idea, if ever I marry anybody, it'll be Rachel. It's a comforting thought for her, but she must be thrilled today, reading that, thinking, oh, good, well, at least we are going to be getting married. Whether or not it's going to be any time soon, I don't know. Uh, 84850, steve at Every Funny thing is, whilst we were basking in glorious weather yesterday in London, and I thought it was glorious weather, down in Brighton, people were sort of cycling about, no, sorry, in Blackpool, cycling about in their sou'westers because it was so bad. In Brighton, it was nice on the beach. The flags were up. 
And then you get those people, don't you, push the buggies across the sand. <gasps> chavs. Chavs. Anybody normal sits up on the esplanade. All the chavs go down on the beach. You got uh, Kylie. Kylie, you got the, got the juice with you? Yeah, go get some burgers, love. And so they all sit down there eating their burgers with the pram on the beach and the kids stuffing its face with McDonald's and chips and thick milkshakes and everything else. All the other people are sitting on the Esplanade going, I wouldn't go down there if you paid me. It's horrible. But Blackpool was windswept. It's God's way of telling them it's rubbish. I think so. And we're, we're all going to get... We're all going to get lots of rain this week. I don't mind the rain. It's good. Your gardens need it. And then if they sort of pick themselves up, it will be particularly good. Particularly good. Um, I, too, love cornflakes with ice-cold milk, but I could eat, says Mark in Liverpool, KFC for breakfast. Well, you couldn't really. Mind you, are there certain things that you can't eat for breakfast? I remember going up to uh, Manchesterford many, many, many years ago, and a friend of mine had a box of after-eight chocolates for breakfast. See, I always thought you're supposed to eat savoury for breakfast. I don't know why I think that. That's just a, You know, you don't eat, unless you're American, ice cream for breakfast, do you? But the Americans eat cake and things like that. They have lots of biscuits and ice cream and frozen yoghurt, and they have that for breakfast. I'm not sure whether or not Kentucky Fried Chicken counts having it for breakfast. Although I see no reason why you couldn't have it with a couple of hash browns. That would be quite good, wouldn't it? They did something in America in the TGI Fridays. It was like a, it was a chicken strips or whatever it was. It was particularly good. Pastries. People have pastries for breakfast. If you go onto the continent, they have, you, you, you'll find, you know, uh, ham, and croissant, things like that. And then there'll be pastries afterwards. You see, I'm, I'm more savoury in the morning. I just think that you can't beat bacon and you can't beat hash browns and beans and stuff like that and sausages. And I would probably eat it every day if somebody cooked it. I wouldn't have a boiled egg. I mean, they're, they're just particularly dull, aren't they, really? What do you have for breakfast? A boiled egg. Oh, Lord. Eggy soldiers? Maybe. Don't know. And so I don't like that. I, I do prefer the cooked breakfast, but it's got to have... Not French toast. That's just, that's just for silly people, French toast. That's just really, really silly. That's like, you know, it's like eggy bread. I mean, that is so naff. You know, it's really awful. If you can have bread, have fried bread. Eggy bread. You know, so you do that and put the... Oh, it's so naff. It really is. It's ghastly. I don't know why. Um, veteran broadcaster. When they say veteran, I think they mean elderly. David Dimbleby is hit back at Anna Ford for labelling him a charming dinosaur. She was always a bit like that, Anna Ford. Do you remember? She's always been a bit sort of feisty. All she does is read big words on a screen. It's not complicated. But anyway, the Question Time presenter, when asked about Miss Ford, became angry over ageism against women in broadcasting. He said, well, I don't know uh, that she does. I think she gets terribly cross about not being on television herself, I think. Asked if he was being bitchy, the 74-year-old replied, no, that's what she says. Yes, I love it when people say, you're being bitchy. You get, no, they've already said this. They have repeated it. And um, here, um, she said it's wrong that the corporation currently allow male presenters to continue working in their 60s and 70s, whereas they don't want women on the television. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about ageism. I mean, everybody in some way is discriminated against, and I suppose none more so than women who appear on television. It gets to that certain time where women start looking old. I mean, I was watching Michaela Strachan, 46. Uh, yes, <laughs> the rest. And the rest. 47, is she? Yeah. Well, she's a very old-looking 47. Perhaps she spent too much time in the bush, and uh, she doesn't sort of want to put makeup on or look after herself. Because when they did a close-up, I thought to myself, oh, my goodness me. 
that, you know, there's somebody who maybe could do with some surgery. But perhaps she's happy with the way she looks. Perhaps if, if they're doing something like a gardening programme or they're doing a wildlife programme, then you're supposed to look as butch as possible. There's no point in turning up in a frock, you know, because it's just not... Pre- you're not going to find any of the... You know, yeah, I mean, Christine Christine Blakely, how are you? You know, she, she could probably pitch up in... Well, in fact, you know, when she did put a frock on, it did look a bit out of place. I don't want to be rude about it, but she, she's happier in dungarees. You know, and I say that because it's it's very strange because uh, Alec and Hillary, who run the Barmy Arms in Twickenham, they're going off to a wedding. Now, Hillary, she's got to go and find a dress for a wedding because she because she's working in the pub all the time. They spend all their time in jeans and sweatshirts and stuff like that. So when somebody says, you know, you've got to gussy yourself up a bit, make yourself look a bit presentable, go off to a wedding, you don't, you don't really know where to begin. That's why I was saying I saw in something cream with splashes of, of orange, almost like a paint drop on it, which I thought would look really, really nice, and also just get a big, big hat. If it's a wedding, cover, cover up a million disasters with a big hat, then nobody notices at all. <laughs> Stick a bit, of, a bit of makeup on and you're all very happy. But it is, it's this, it's this strange ageing process now. People aren't allowed to age on the television. It makes no difference if men are very old. They don't seem to care about that, but it's women, women that they do. Um... Camilla, spotting a gift watch is a fake. She was presented with what looked like a valuable Cartier. She said, with a twinkle in her eye, I don't think it's the real thing. Which proves to me that Camilla Parker-Bowles is, in fact, way ahead of the game. She can spot a fake Cartier. And she would know, I would think. It's lovely, actually. Apparently, Britain's ambassador to France, Sir Peter Ricketts, had played an unlikely Dell boy. It's a very nice watch, added Camilla, who was already wearing a genuine... Cartier timepiece worth £4,000, estimated. <gasps> I wish they'd never told people like that. These things that cost so much money. £4,000 for a watch. I couldn't justify putting something like that on my wrist. I feel so guilty that somebody look at it and go, how much is that? I remember once, I told you, standing in a pub in Twickenham wearing a very, very expensive Boss leather jacket. And this bloke came up to me and he went, that's, that's fake, that is, mate. I said, I said, I do beg your pardon. Were you addressing me? And he said, that's fake, that is, mate. I said, what? He said, the, the jacket. I said, oh, really? He said, yes, I can tell straight away. I thought, I've just paid £800 for this jacket. It was a very, very expensive jacket. <laughs> nice. But never, ever had anybody say it looks fake. The one thing I don't have is fake. I did have a fake Rolex many, many years ago, but about 35 years ago, everybody had a fake Rolex because they were about 25 quid. Now they're probably around a tenner. You can always tell if somebody's offering you something like that and they're telling you what, what the price is, you know it's fake. And this country is absolutely flooded with fakes, I'm afraid. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines, it's Dan Whitehead. Official figures show more than 400 British... Tr- what if there's anybody listening this morning in Luton? It's every time you open up the papers, there's another story from Luton. They've had their third murder... It's a lot of, it's all gang related in Luton. It used to be such a nice place, Luton. Why has it descended into this sort of hell on legs kind of place? There's a, there's an ambulance rushing towards a, a stab victim. Again, a guy called Jordan Maguire, the latest to die in the war between gangs on rival estates in London. So, in other words, they're travelling up from London. I mean, how stupid are these people? They travel up there. But then, as I say, when you look at the pictures of the, of these, Muslim fundamentalists, the hatred on their faces kind of says it all. 
As I say, they must be really depressed people. They get no fun out of life whatsoever. Their entire life is just such a catalogue of disasters. And when you get these sort of gangs... I mean, I was, I was coming into the building earlier on this morning, and uh, there is a club next door, and they were throwing somebody out, and his girlfriend was obviously dragging him away, and he's shouting every obscenity. Why what? Because he was a drunk, and he was being abusive, and so they threw him out. And, uh, and I'm listening to his language, and I'm thinking... What is the matter with these people? Well, you know, I'm sure it was never that bad years ago. We used to have people who were drunk in nightclubs, but they just generally fell asleep in the corner. And then you sort of, you know, chucked them out at the end of the night. They went, it's time to go home, mate. They go, oh, OK. And they wander out. Now they become very abusive. Very, very abusive. Peter's coming back, says Freddie and Swansea. Awesome. Wasn't sure how he's going to survive otherwise. I'm sure you're happy as you get a lot of content out of it. Kevin O'Sullivan would be delighted. Well, actually, every single columnist mentions... Peter Andre, because it's such a dreary programme. And we're now taking odds on, aren't we, of toss-toss, toss-toss. Uh, will she still be with him at the time they start shooting? You know, the answer is she loves those cameras. I mean, all the press have pointed out that she's really loving it. I wonder whether or not she'll have her own reality show if she splits, although she does as much dumb things uh, as he does. Brilliant link, he says, between Peter and sausages before the news. I thought so as well, actually. I thought it was quite a fairly, fairly good one. Uh, 84850. Uh, I rang the RSPCA as somebody had dumped a cat on our doorstep in a box after she was safely delivered of five kittens. Lovely. I rang the RSPCA to explain. Uh, I said we'd give them a forever home, but could they help with neutering costs as I'm disabled and on limited income? I got a lecture about how irresponsible I was to let her get pregnant. I said this was the second time she'd arrived on the doorstep. Nothing to do with me. Anyway, I, I said, listen, I'll tell you what, leave it. I'll sort it out myself. And then the woman said, thank you for your call. Have you considered setting up a standing order so you can donate more easily? Because what they do is, once, you, once you've donated once, they've got your address. You're then the target for everybody else. They want your money and they want it on a regular basis. I was doing, what was I doing the other day? There was something, it came round to, uh, to donating to charity. And again, they survive. You look in the charity shops in Twickenham and they're looking for serious money. They're looking for money. The only thing we don't have, we don't have an RSPCA charity shop. Merely time, I suppose. Merely time before you have that. But they are, they've, they've come up with some very odd things. The RSPCA were the people who went to court to prosecute a woman because she left a goldfish in a bowl and went on holiday. I mean, to be honest, it's in a blooming goldfish. I don't want to make a big deal about goldfish. Equal rights for God's creatures, I realise. Well, I don't think a goldfish is. I've read the Bible from front to back, and I'm telling you, no mention of goldfish in there. You know, he did loaves fishes, they were eating the fishes, and then the animals went in two by two into the ark, but there was no mention of a goldfish. I've, been, I've read it very carefully. There was, you know, somebody carried, Noah carried on a bowl with two goldfish in it. I don't think so. So that's why. That's why. I don't think it's very likely at all, I'm afraid. And uh, Lloyd is listening to this programme in Cyprus. God. I don't know why people want to tell me it's 23 degrees at 7.45 in the morning. He says, hope you have a good day. Yeah, we will. We're not bothered. We don't, we don't, we don't care. Listen, any, people can write into this programme from abroad and say, isn't it wonderful that the weather is this fantastic weather? I think, no, it's not. Because if, if the weather's that good, there is the odd chance that Peter Andre might pitch up and start sort of taking his clothes off for a, a calendar. Not very good indeed. Uh, very trendy at the time. I went to Kingston's Cardoma when young between Bentall's and the church. I don't remember it. I don't remember it. Well, I, I remember the, the name of, of the outfit, but I don't remember ever going into any one of them. I, can remember, I definitely remember a place that was, I think it was called La Cripperie. 
and it was at the top of King's Road. I, also, I like Ed's Diner. I like places like that, actually. But I haven't, haven't had a burger for ages, so, so perhaps not so. Uh, Bill took the mother to Brighton. He said the normal boot fair on top of the marina car park was taken over by the Brighton bikers. Yes, they had a bike fair in aid of the British Heart Foundation. We knew about that because we promoted it on the programme. So alongside the porcelain were Harleys, a couple of Ducatis and an old, and an old Indian. He said later on we went mackerel fishing. Oh, God. I know it's supposed to be very good for you because it's an oily fish, isn't it? They pulled in 20 and then got the train back to London Bridge, home for 3.30, grilled the fish for supper. One slight downer caught a touch of sunstroke. I know, I got sunstroke as well. And then uh, yesterday, uh, sorry, this morning, as I was sort of getting myself ready, I came out the bathroom, I threw something in, uh, in a bin outside, and as I turned, because I'd had to bend down to put it, as I turned round, I scraped the top of my head along the door frame. And so consequently, as I say, I do look a bit Mikhail Gorbachev at the moment. It was bleeding to start with, and all I kept thinking was, oh, God, I'm going to sit in a car on the way in and drip all over the furniture. And then I thought, oh, it might drip down me. But luckily it hasn't, hasn't dripped blood at all. Just sort of, it's just weeping a little bit. It's a, it's a bit, bit sad, I'm afraid. Uh, Richard says, call me old-fashioned, but I always thought pizzas came from Italy. Well, you might absolutely be right. You might be right that the Italians... It's the kind of food that the Italians would invent because it's the all-in-one thing you can have for your days. So you can have a pizza, roll it up, and then you could take a bite of it later on. But I think it was... I think, if memory serves, I think they were invented in Naples... And the Hawaiian was invented over here. If you go to Italy and go, so can we have a Hawaiian? Do you do Hawaiian? As we do in that patronising English way. And they'll be going, no, sir, we don't do Hawaiian. Is that, what is that? And you go, it's ham and pineapple. That apparently was the British version of Hawaii. Ham and pineapple. <laughs> How times have changed, ladies and gentlemen. But you're right. I mean, if, if you go to Italy, I mean, they, they do do quite nice pizzas. They're terribly expensive, though. It's, a bit, it's not as expensive as ice cream. Ice cream is possibly the most expensive thing ever going. Travelling on a train yesterday, says Julie, a lady came and sat opposite me, plonked her bag on the table between us, opened it up and pulled up her makeup bag. I turned away to look out the window but could still see her reflection. I thought she was just going to touch up her makeup, but no, 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 no. She pulled out nail clippers and proceeded to clip her nails. The clippings were falling onto the table. I turned my gaze to her and tut tutted. At her, picked up my bag and changed seats. <gasps> See, I, I, that's very brave doing things like that. I think anybody who actually starts doing their makeup on the train, tarts, absolutely tarts. You know, it's like people who put their feet up on the seats. That really annoys me. If I was the guard, I'd be sitting there watching all the carriage. I would. I'd be going, the person in the third carriage, can you remove your seats from the uh, remove your seats, remove your feet from the seats, please? You're very common. You know, just to wait and see what the reaction would be. Just humiliate somebody, like the 13-year-old girl with the racist abuse in Australia and the Aboriginal player going, out, I want her out the stadium, get out. You know, 13 years old, coming out with stuff like that. You know, uh, as for me, no more Peter Andre, says Julie. Oh, dear. You've got to go for Peter Andre. We do want, uh, we want more Peter, Peter Andre. I mean, what else can we talk about? I mean, it's, it, it is like watching car crash television. I, I, I do like it. I, I find it quite, quite fascinating, quite fascinating, because you're sort of watching Peter, and he's desperately trying to do something with his life, but you don't really know what he does. He just goes on holiday with toss, 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 and that's it. Uh, sounds like he did lots to eat, to drink and see. Over the bank holiday, says Noreen. On Tuesday, there is service at Westminster Abbey for the 60th anniversary of the Queen's coronation. And did you know Keith Richards was a choir boy at the service? Coverage starts at 10. I don't remember the coronation. I wish I did. 
I can remember... No, the earliest memory I've got of television is Winston Churchill's funeral. That's, that's one of my earliest memories. Or seeing the Beatles on top of the pops, singing She Loves You. I was very young at the time, of course. There was an excellent programme about the Queen's horses on the television, presented by Claire Balding. She's excellent, asking sensible questions and actually listening to the answers, not glazing over or looking for the next question. John recorded it, so I'm sure he'll send you a copy. Bill Pertwee has died, so another well-known name to die recently. Yes, it's a shame. There's lots of nice tributes to him in the paper. He was 86. He died with his uh, family around him, and that's all you can hope for, isn't it? All you can hope for at the end. 84850, uk. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, fish in the Bible, Steve, usually involve bread and the number 5,000. He said, don't remember the fish getting looked after by the Almighty. No, t- he d- the Almighty didn't seem to look after fish, did he? He sent all these other animals into the into the ark to save them. There's no mention of fish. We were too busy eating the fish. So I suppose they were a sustainable source. Perhaps he wasn't aware of all these other things. I don't know. Uh, Steve, I found a small pedigree dog in the street wandering around. and nearly ran it over. The RSPCA told me to keep it. As I've got two cats, unfortunately I politely refused, but spent the rest of the evening trying to find someone to take her. Turns out she was reported as lost and chipped, but found that after three hours at the police station. Finally reunited with the owner after three days. Well, that's the one thing you must have if you do have a, an animal, is to get it chipped. And then that means that when they take it to the police station, they just hold the thing over it and they can see where it, where it comes from, which is a good idea. My day, we never had chipping. Uh, Larry says, yes... Black pudding is made with blood. There again, so is gravy. Ugh. I don't think so. I'm, unless I've got, not, not in my gravy either. I don't, I'm looking, looking at the ingredients on the side of the tin and scanning them now. No mention of blood at all. No mention of blood. Perhaps just you again. Morning. Morning, Steve. ITV is showing an audience with Les Dawson. Your thoughts, please. Um, ITV is showing a programme about Les Dawson. I don't have a problem with that at all. And uh, Bradley Walsh is a quiz master. Yes, I, I, do, I do enjoy the chase. I find it very entertaining. Let's Schofield more Bradley. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm complaining bitterly, Mark, I'm afraid, at the moment, because poor old Philip Schofield's hardly getting any work at the moment. I don't know where it's all going to, but, the, you know, we want more Philip Schofield. I don't want people to sort of start thinking he's been sidelined for something. I mean, he's not done anything wrong recently, has he, on the television, that would warrant him being sidelined? He's had any fines to pay? I wonder how much Sally Burko's fine will be. We don't know that yet, do we? Are we still waiting for them to come back? Well, I was, I was taking a guess on either 25 grand or 50 grand. That's what, because they'd already apparently done a settlement before. They had agreed that there was going to be a settlement, and I think they've agreed to go back to that. So I think it's... You think higher than 25? See, I think 25,000. I actually... Or oh, there's the legal cost you'll have to pay as well. <laughs> And that's when we smile a little bit. You know, I derive pleasure watching things like that. I mean, personally, I'd have fined for 100000 just to teach her a lesson, to wipe the smug. She's going to have to do a lot of appearances on Matthew Wright's programme to cover that one, isn't she? Perhaps I won't ask her back again. Somebody like that has just lost a court case. Coming up to the news at six. On FM, online. Five past six, Tuesday morning. Short week this week. Short week, because yesterday was your bank holiday. Wasn't it lovely? It really was gorgeous. I don't think we've had such a good bank holiday for ages. The next one is uh, on August, in August, the August bank holiday. But it really was lovely this weekend, and I I'm, I'm hope you all got out there and did something. And uh, this week, you're looking forward to all the nice things that we're going to be doing on LBC 97.3 for Help for Heroes. We have a very active website, as you know, because I know you've all had a look on there. I know you've seen some of the prize. I know that some of you want to bid for certain things, and I don't know how it 
you know, who, who's actually doing the best. It always becomes a little bit competitive between the presenters as to who's actually got the best uh, things to bid for. Mine involves me, I'm afraid. So it's tea at the Langham and then uh, another one is off to Hampton Court. But uh, tea at the Langham is for you and four people, depending on how much it goes for. And then we shall go down there. I'm going to drag Chris Lowry, the weatherman, down so that he can tell us we can have decent weather for it and we'll have tea and it'll be, it'll be lovely and you can ask every question under the sun. It becomes very personal. It's a nice, it's a nice sort of thing to do. So have a look on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and all the Help for Heroes stuff is on there because the stories that you hear, it's your chance to support our boys. You know, it's, it's no good just going and putting flowers down somewhere. You can actually make, make a difference. Well, I, I class the girls as boys as well. They're all doing the same thing. Otherwise, we'd have the girls and the boys and the younger people and the middle-aged people. And before you know where you are, all the people with red head, uh, the people who've also got, you know, freckles and other people who haven't got short hair and some people who've lost their hair. and they, It covers everybody. It's our troops. Our troops. But if you can't afford to go for any of the uh, super prizes that we've got in the Help for Heroes auction, uh, then you can donate £5 plus your standard network rate by texting the letters HERO, H-E-R-O, and sending it to 70766. So HERO, H-E-R-O, and send it to 70766. You can't even buy a packet of cigarettes for a fiver nowadays. And this can make such a difference, such a difference. So on behalf of... You know, all the soldiers involved, thank you in advance. Steve says, regarding people with um, uh, feet on railway seats, as a railway man, I always apologise to the passengers for our filthy seats making their shoes dirty. I agree. Oh, it does annoy people. Oh, it's so annoying. I've seen a girl come through the the train carriage one time, and uh, and she said to some bloke, she said, excuse me, can you get your feet off the seats? And he took them off off the seats. I thought that was quite good, that she was very brave. But there again, she was wearing a uniform. Brigitte saw the touring version of Evita last night with Marty Pello and uh, Magdalena Alberto. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Really? I think we know what the best show is, don't we? Brilliant cast and an incredibly emotional production. Isn't Marty Pello good? Isn't he good? You should go and definitely go and see that. Uh, James says, sorry to hear about the knock to your head. It does seem to have made the programme even better today. It's only because it's Tuesday. People like a Tuesday programme, don't they? Somebody says, I think I'll get myself an entourage like Peter Andre and pretend I'm famous. Yes, Peter Andre just does come with, a, with an entourage, no matter where he goes, I'm afraid. Uh, there's also oh, there's a giant asteroid heading our way. I don't know if you're interested in asteroids. A lot of people like looking up to the heavens. Uh, that, well, if it hits, we're all going to be knowing about it, and this could be the last programme. But this one is the size, wait for this one, as the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a bit big, isn't it? There are stranger things in heaven. I said to somebody the other day, and I know it's a dumb question. I keep asking it because I've never found the answer. Well, I've never found an answer I understand. When they go into space and, and Captain Kirk does space, the final frontier, these are the exploits of the Starship Enterprise, a five-year mission, blah, 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 and it goes on. And when they go out into space, it goes, and it shoots off. How far out do you go? I mean, are we in a box? Is there some big man the other end holding it, going, let's tip it this way, let's tip it... I mean, how f- does it go for infinity? It just keeps... So when God created this, because apparently he did, we were told in seven days, he was really busy. I don't know how he managed it, really. But it just, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Until what? Can you, do you come round in a circle? Is it like when originally they thought the Earth was flat and you get in your ship and then you fall off the end? If you go out into space and out into where all the asteroids are, is it just forever? 
I never get the answer to this question. People sort of look at me. It is a complicated question, isn't it? It's like, did God really create... Yeah, I mean, I mean, do we have enough time in 20 minutes to actually understand this? I mean, did God really create the earth? Because if he did, he never mentioned a lot of things in the Bible. There were certain things he didn't mention. We know about the Garden of Gethsemane. So somebody, you see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they'd already created that, so he didn't need to bother with that bit. There was all these other bits. But it's, it's the space thing that fascinates me. You know, people always say to me, when I go, listen, there's no such thing as little green men or spacecraft. They go, oh, you don't know. You know, it goes out there a long way. And you think, yes, but how far out? How far out does it go? It's very interesting. Anyway, this, this asteroid, just putting it all to one side, is the same size as the Golden Gate Bridge. And it will zip past Earth this week. When I say zip past, um, I think the close encounter with asteroid 1998 QE2 takes place... It's got a name and a number and everything. It takes place on Friday at 9.59pm. I might stay up for it. I mean, we're going to see anything. I used to imagine years ago when they used to send up a rocket to go to the moon that you could actually see the rocket going round the outside of the moon. I used to think, if I stood there and stared at it, would I see it going round? It's something so ridiculous. Mind you, I mean, don't be nervous about this one. There is very little chance of seeing it unless you've got a very high-powered telescope. It's going to be 3.6 million miles away. But we know with great certainty says NASA expert Amy Manaza, it won't hit us. 3.6 million miles away. Isn't it exciting? Don't you wish that, you, that somebody would have thought of sort of going, right, it's going to pass through here and setting up seats up there in the galaxy so you can sort of have sort of grandstand seating and you could watch it go past or sit there in a rocket ship and say, it's going to go past us, here it comes, it's coming, whoosh, gone. Would you want to see things like that? Nope, just me again, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't really care. I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, 84850. Uh, did you notice among all the LBC presenters, your offer for an afternoon tea help here is, but is the most expensive? Is it? I don't know. I don't know how it works, actually. I'm very popular. I'm very popular. They, they will get the money for it. They will get the money. Uh, charity shops, you're right. They're nothing more, Steve, says Mark, than a, a front for big charity business. They want your cost-offs to make money for their high admin costs. Case in point, one in our local high street, where there are four already, offers nectar points if you bring them your clothes. Oh, ours are like, uh, they're, they're like department stores. We've got, we've got all of them in, in Twickenham. You've never said, people get off the buses and come shopping in Twickenham because of all the charity shops. I mean, it really is quite, quite amazing. Um, uh, Freddie says... Sounding a bit like Brucey on the prices right there, Stevie. Higher than 50, it's 60. Higher than 60. This is the, the amount of money that we think Sally Burko is going to have to pay. Perhaps we could wheel Brucey out and you could have it on card. We could do a play your cards version, right? But as I say, she's going to be doing a lot of, a lot of appearances on television to cover the cost of that. Plus the legal costs. Big mistake for her. I'm very disappointed, she said at the end. I thought, well, the rest of us weren't. I was absolutely spot on the money on that one. I knew she'd be found guilty. I, I'd, I'd seen it in my Tetley tea bags. Uh, 84850. Darren says, with the news at the vapid talent vacuum that is Helen Flanagan is getting her own ITV2 reality show, isn't it time we all packed up and went home? Yes, I mean, they're that dead. But what they're doing is they're going on the fact that she's always in the newspapers every day. By the same token, perhaps during the war, Hitler should have had his own reality show. But you look at her and you think, but what is she doing? Every time you see her... She doesn't do anything. She's either going out to a nightclub or she's, or she's taking her kit off and doing a sort of... And that, and to be honest with you, I mean, pff, 
Is it that interesting? I don't think so. Oh, there was something that they, I was going to mention to you. Um, over the weekend, it came up that if shops are selling uh, magazines that have got naked people in or half-naked people, they could be closed down because they're saying it's offensive to the people working there. You know, because, because they say, is for, Nick Ferrari going to be doing that? Oh, he's not? No. I didn't think he was. Yeah. But, I mean, I was, I was fascinated by the fact that... So, news agents who sell these top-shelf magazines, which have got boobies in and stuff like that... Some, I don't know, to be honest with you. I can't, I can't see as far as the top shelf. I'm blind as a bat, so it makes no difference. But I'm curious to know, if you're working in a department store or a supermarket and they've got these sort of magazines on display, which I don't think they have, they only sell them in news agents. You don't go into WH Smith's and... Oh, do you? Do they have those sort of things? Oh, I haven't been in a Smith's in ages, actually. Not ages. Uh, 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. 19 minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. It's Tuesday, just by by the way. And you, you know it's Tuesday. The bank holiday's finished because the bad weather's come back in again. Nick Ferrari at seven, as anger increases, that David Cameron's taken his family on holiday in Ibiza while London's still reeling from the shocking events in Woolwich. Nick will be asking, is it reasonable that Cameron should be allowed to take a vacation? Plus the special announcements from Nick on the 97.3 charity appeal. This is help for heroes. And all the lovely things that we've got. And we have got some absolutely lovely things. Really, really nice things. Look at the papers today. Tom Bauer, investigative journalist and biographer of Gordon Brown and Simon Cowell's unofficial biographer. And they'll be looking at Woolwich. Should we ban hate preachers? I mean, the answer is yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I don't know why we're faffing around with this at all. Um, People saying it's outrageous that David Cameron's gone on holiday. I mean, he's got to have a break sometime, for goodness sake. He's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, I suppose. Uh, and we'll be talking about help for heroes. We've got lots of uh, guests coming on. And if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, then you can see all the marvellous things that we've got on offer. Uh, I found this uh, story, which is um, the fact that shops could be sued for stocking lads' magazines. I've often thought, actually, it was a bit dated, lads' magazines. Things like Loaded and Zoo and stuff like this. And now, pressure group, UK feminists and objects, say displaying publications in stores or requiring staff to handle such magazines could amount to sex discrimination or sexual harassment. I don't know why they've just come up with this one now. They've been selling these things for the last, goodness knows, how many years? Ages and ages and ages. There was always that joke about the top shelf magazine. But I'm sure that somebody would be looking around for a lawyer going, I work in a department store, I work here, and they sell these sort of magazines, and frankly, I don't want to handle them. Was there not a case a short while ago where there was a Muslim worker in, was it Sainsbury's, who didn't want it? Somebody got to the till and put their stuff through it. said, I'm not touching drink. It's against my religion. And so he didn't want to touch drink. And, uh, and Sainsbury said, we'll have to put him on another till where he doesn't touch drink. And you think, just, oh, that's right, he couldn't deliver stuff. It was in, in the warehouse. It all became a bit bizarre. So I could see, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I can see people complaining about touching loaded magazine or something like that. If you're, if you're strict religious or whatever it happens to be, you know, and your God is different from everybody else's and he says, well, you don't look at this sort of thing, it must be embarrassing if you've got to, to touch it. You know, and there are loads of these magazines out there, and they're not exactly backward at coming forward, are they? A little about watching Keith Lemon on his uh, on his programme. I mean, that is so rude. I mean, it's almost, it's almost too rude. Certainly can't mention anything. Hair today, gone tomorrow. What is the cure for people who are losing their hair? And the answer is, there is no cure. You know, you can try all sorts of things. You can try, um, you can try a transplant favoured by James Nesbitt and Wayne Rooney. 
They spent a lot of money, thousands, because this is all after poor old Prince Harry happened to bend over to talk to a little girl, and they went, oh, he's losing his hair. He's losing his hair. Because everybody else in the family's losing it. They got a bit excited, because up until then, if you remember, there were lots of rumours about poor old Prince Harry saying that he's the only one in the family who's not losing his hair. His dad's losing his hair. His older brother's losing his hair. Uh, Prince Edward's hair is going. Everybody's losing their hair, except old Harry. Now, luckily, Harry started losing his hair, so perhaps we can scotch the rumours that have been around for years and years and years. Market Angels is back with us. He says, uh, it is actually too late, Mark, on that one. But another time, another time we can do that. He's offering us an auction prize very kindly. But uh, another time, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do that. They, they've already done them for this year. They've already got them allocated. But next time round, I'll give you a ring and we'll sort something out. That's very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. I, I bet Brighton was lovely over this weekend. Mark's got, a, got a, an apartment down there. I bet it was boiling. I bet it was absolutely baking down there. Stripped off on the balcony, covering yourself in Mazzola. I can just imagine it now. Uh, 84850. Dan says, this may give you some perspective on your comment about the size of the universe. If you're having any problems today, have a look at this and realise how tiny and unimportant we all are. And thank you. I shall, I shall um, flag that website up for myself a little bit later on. Oh, I realise that we are totally tiny in the, in the state of it. That's why I suppose the argument that we are not alone, there are other people out there, would be... Yeah, it's, but it's something I can't comprehend. It's because we are so tiny and there's so much of it and there's so many things I don't understand. But I've only got to this age now where I've started not understanding it. <laughs> 84850, uh I see that uh, Mark the Bailiff is back now. I bet you're a nice cut. You'll be peeling within about the week. Once people come back, I'm going to be peeling from yesterday, I can just tell. Uh, Noreen says, we went on a green line to Uxbridge last week and a lady had four seats, feet up on the seats, no shoes, reeked of ciggies. <sighs> Luton, she says, is a dump in some parts, but our Josh and his family, my brother, and more family live there. And it's nice in their part. I suppose everywhere has good and bad parts, but it really is dire in parts. Well, they seem to be having, they've got the most dreadful things going on over there. I mean, there seem to be murders on a regular basis and it's these stupid gangs. These stupid gangs. What is the matter with these people? It's just, it's just awful. Rueful. Uh, 84850, steve at Richard says, the reason people are so rude today we're getting kicked out of clubs is that they get away with it. In my day, they get a smack, and that settled it. Doesn't happen like that anymore. In the 60s, the Valbon, the Kilt, the Establishment, Samantha's and the Speakeasy. Yeah, I mean, we used to have bouncers standing on the door of our clubs, and there was never any fight outside. You know, somebody was thrown out. And in fact, you didn't want to be thrown out because that was your club. That was where you went to. You know, the idea, you know, of, of sort of being thrown out of a club, it very embarrassing because that was the only place to go to in town. Uh, as the world was under threat from flooding, says John, I think that Noah probably saw no threat to fish. Also, on the Peter Andre sock issue... Yes. It made me think that David Beckham must have more brains than we credit him for with his first underpant range. He's obviously getting a payment for advertising sausages as well. <laughs> yes, I mean, I suspect that was probably two socks. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, any man looks at that and just knows exactly that that's not real. That's what was so stupid about it, you know. And with Peter Andre doing it blatantly on television, we now know, don't we? Um, Michael says, Noah built another one for fish, an ark, three stories high, a multi-story car park. Carp Ark. OK, I have to, have to pick up on these things fairly quickly. We don't, don't really have time to go back. Uh, Steve, there is no cure for baldness. If there was, Elton John is rich enough. 
to have uh, bought it. Yes, well, even people, I mean, you know, rich people like Elton John, he doesn't have, you know, a, a transplant. He's wearing a toupee. I think he'd look better without it, but, I mean, he's obviously that kind of, you know, person. Uh, haven't heard you mention Paul the Greengrocer for ages, says Graham. Yes, we mentioned him. He's, he's not been very well. He's doing tests and everything else. He's backwards and forwards to hospital. And he's taking life easy at the moment. Because uh, that's the way it is. He's got, he had problems internally with all sorts of things going wrong. But they're sorting him out slowly but surely. But it's a slow process. But I said to him, listen, if you don't, if you don't want to go back to work, don't go back to work yet. Go back when you're fully recovered. So that's why we've not mentioned Paul for ages. So thank you for that. Space is as big as the biggest number. Doesn't help me, I'm afraid, in my quest to find out what's out there. How far. I feel like taking, you know, Clive. Clive and I could sit in a spaceship... You know, and you could just keep going out and out and out and out and out and out until till what? He thinks it's curved. He thinks it's curved. So, so eventually, I suppose you could come back. But then we did establish the fact that you can't go back in time. You cannot, you know, you cannot time travel. You cannot time travel, which is a shame, actually, because I, I thought time travel would be wonderful. I don't know where I want to go to. Victorian times, probably pre, pre-Victorian. pre I just like to live through all the different ages. Not live through, but just sort of go through all the different ages so you could see exactly what London was like and look at it changing. And take pictures if you could have a camera with you. That would be quite nice. That would be a good thing to do. Something to pod- ponder on today as you sit on the train when your never-ending journey into work and it's all going to be crowded and taken up because it's going to rain. And um, and that's just about it for this morning. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. Don't forget that Nick Ferrari will be telling you all about the Help for Heroes auction. There's all sorts of nice things on there which you can bid for. We're looking to raise a lot of money. So it's a, it's a big call on you. I know it's a big call on you, but the one thing we do is we do all rally together and eventually we can come up with some money and we can give some money to Help for Heroes, money which they, they desperately need. If not, Nick will tell you about texting the word hero and that raises a fiver each time so there's always there's always some way that you can help you know and we're always very grateful to you for helping so that's our charity auction all this week it's tuesday it's gonna be wet and miserable have a look on the lbc website lbc.co.uk and see if there's anything you fancy the look of i mean some lovely some lovely holidays some really somebody's going to get some real bargains out there i think they they put suggested prices on for uh, for some of the things. So let's see see what we can uh, raise this week, shall we? With your help. Thank you very much indeed for your company this morning. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time. And then a little bit later on, there'll be the programme podcast as well. All details on the LBC website. It's going to be very busy, the traffic to the website today. LBC.co.uk. Nick and the team with you at 7 o'clock this morning. Next on LBC 97.3. The Morning News with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.